should you ever be confronted with the temptation of taking that first puff of a marijuana cigarette, don't do it. perpetuate its cultural models and if the hallucinogenic plants have not been integrated into the cultural model then they are definitely seen as dangerous forces for an unpredictable sort of social change. how to set up some microphones for a damn broadcast. I think the devil wants us to have a good show tonight. Oh, certainly. Certainly. That's what he, he says every day when we leave. When he packs our little lunch, he takes us to the evil bus stop, and he says, now you boys have a good show on Monday night. I'm going to pack your lunch. Hey, Keith, what are we going to talk about tonight, bud? Are we talking about um, the, the cock of our infidels? <laughs> the cocks of our infidels, <laughs> of all of the destroyers of worlds, destroyer of souls, destroyer of holes. Oh, sure. Okay, sure. all right. We're going to talk about uh, cannabis in Missouri, the devil's lettuce. I can't wait to make a salad from the devil's lettuce. I like plant dressing. We're, uh, we're, uh, we're joined by our outlaw filmmaker, an all-around handsome little devil, oh, Seth Veranda. 
You know, he's into the devil's playthings, if you know what I mean. Oh, we're going to talk about going and seeing some entities on DMT. That's anal. My last joke was about anal. (laughs) I was just making sure everyone out there, out there in infidel land, (laughs) knows exactly what's going on tonight. Do they... They know what's going, so they know what's going on tonight. Okay, tell them. Is that it? That's, <laughs> that, it. that's how we're that's doing it. it. Okay, that's how we're doing it. That's the idea. That's the idea of the show. You just nailed it. Bring in here just a second. We'll bring you in. You want to slide over this chair? Yeah. Or are you going to slide over? Turn them on. Hey. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, non-binary, sentient, artificial intelligence, flora and fauna alike, to the Hoosier Sophisticate Monday Night Primetime Show. Monday Night Primetime. We've Monday got Primetime Show. Monday Night Primetime. Hey, Aqualung. <laughs> well, we're here, guys. It's Monday. This is what we do. Where do I look? I don't know. We if moved everything around. Where do I look? I'm I don't. Uh, I don't know if we they, moved everything. I don't know if they understood anything that the Devil's Minions uh, keep did. They carry no. We're saying. I don't care. Just in case they didn't. Who are they talking about? Because I missed the beginning of the show. I, was I, I didn't see it. I didn't see the beginning yeah, of the show. Apparently, Keith about. and Terry. Came the in. ghosts who live here. The demon souls who live here. The demon souls that we've had troubles with. Oh, two months man. back on the run. Uh, apparently, they came in, tried to give the oh, rundown on the show. Son of um, a gun. Here's the deal. Here's what we're going to talk about because it's Monday night. One. Sophisticated land. First off, what are Mondays for, Steve? They're for Hoosiers. They are for Hoosiers. Pretty simple, guys. What we're going to talk about, we have some news in the Missouri uh, Medical Marijuana Program. That's one thing we are That's going one thing to we're going to talk about. Then uh, two is we've we got DMT articles. We have an article about, about dimethyltryptamine. Did, you make, a, did oh. you make a hot route? No, I, 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 we're uh, going to go with it. We're going to go with yeah, it. I got, I got two of them. Yeah. Hot route? 2,567 people were surveyed by the Journal of Neuro... Of Psychoneuropharmacology. Okay. 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 Uh, so we're going to talk Big about talks. some people having some experiences with DMT entities. All right. Ooh. We've got outlaw filmmaker, friend of the show. He, yep. He, yep. We haven't seen him in a while. We haven't seen we him have in a while. We have not seen him for a while. We used to be in the palatial 920 studios down in the city. Yep. And that's uh, we found out this guy who's an author and contributor to Vice. We did. Uh, I've read his book, The Supreme Team. Yeah. Awesome. How was it? It's very good. He's there watching you. Give me an honest review of it. Right uh, I I couldn't believe how well he put sentences together. No, actually, I, <laughs> I, I, I actually I did. I, I could not put it down. And it's one of those things where I wouldn't think to read like a crime uh, biography. Sure. You know, but it's also there. The story is so thick and like the the history of the of these neighborhoods in new york city and everything dude it's okay it's pretty fucking okay, choice okay, really okay, choice I like that. so uh that was supreme team he's written uh several books he's got a show that's coming out i believe tomorrow on vice tv that we talked about a couple of years ago on the radio i think it's now coming out on on vice tomorrow super juice to talk to him about that get a little uh get a little insight into what it was like being uh dubbed the lsd kingpin Ooh, man. of the east coast that's that's who he is. That's Seth Frowney. That's outlaw filmmaker. 
Seth Ferrani. Let's hear it for him. Come over here and join us, buddy. What's up? Come on in here, buddy. There he is, guys. Our first official guest in the Church of Unconditional Love that's and Transcendence. And well, Helbig's face. Uh, no, no, like a real guest. Oh, like is that better? Okay, a real is that guest. better? Yeah, a real guest. Okay. How come I don't have a muff? I don't like this. I don't have a muff, then no one gets a muff. I, why are you no, taking my muff, bud? No one gets them then. Fine. I don't need a muff. Only the guest. Only the guest gets a muff. Only, Only guess. the guest. We treat, we treat all here. of our guests to muff around here. Yep, that's what. We, that's, that's how what you we know do. you're in a good place. All right, uh, Steve-O. Don't look at me. I'm looking Look directly Look at you, I'll, I'll talk to Seth, and I'm ready to talk to Seth. <laughs> <laughs> Seth, uh, I guess let's just dive right in, buddy. Give us, uh, give, give the people the kind of the cliff notes who, who is Seth Ferrani is, uh, and then uh, we're gonna just build on this. Who is this there. fucking guy over here, huh? No, you. I was talking about you, Seth. I was talking about you. Uh, not the fishes in the background. See, see that on the green screen? That's not actually here. We're not actually in a fish tank. <laughs> So, you know, I, I, I was basically the kid in high school. You know, I was a kid. I got into cannabis early. You know, I got into LSD early. You know, I don't know. They might have said I was a drug dealer or stuff like that, but I considered myself an activist. You know, I was just maybe 30 years too early. Yeah, it looks like it. You know, but, uh, yeah, I got in trouble. I got, I got a federal case. You know, I, I sold LSD. I sold weed at colleges on the East Coast. I got a federal case. I got 25 years. First time nonviolent offense. I went on the run. I was a U.S. Marshal's uh, top 15 most wanted fugitive. You know, when I got caught, they slammed me. You know, I actually uh, I got sentenced when I was 22 to 25, so I started doing my time in uh, 1993. Got out 2015. 21 years in. Uh, wrote some books while I was in. Uh, got some college degrees. Um, got out, and, and now, you know, I, I've been out six years man just kind of doing my thing uh seems like i've been checking in with you guys every couple of years to let you know no doubt um so you know i got one film on stars white boy that i wrote and directed i, I got a new one called walk through murder and uh i got this thing where viceland is basically um telling my story you know where i'm telling my story for show for viceland on uh i was a teenage felon that's one thing that airs tomorrow night just you know a little quick you know one hour episode okay Glimpse at my case, you know, what I was doing and stuff like that. So you were how old when you caught your case? I was like 20, 20. Were you a fucking wild card even when you were 20? Was it, could people see it coming? No, I mean, I, I was, you know, up until maybe 16, 17, I was kind of like a wild card. Like I was, I was down for whatever. Sure. You know, but then, you know, I started making money like around 16, 17. And then I was like, man, I could make, you know, I could become like a cash millionaire by the time I'm 25. You know, that was like, I'm at gold. That's what I wanted to do. And so that's what I was focused on. And like, even back then, I know it was the war on drugs and all that, you know, in the late 80s and the 90s. But, uh, you know, I, I, I was I was selling, you know, marijuana and LSD. So, you know, I didn't consider what I was doing wrong. I didn't consider myself a criminal. I always tell people, I say, I wasn't a criminal. I didn't carry a gun. I didn't shoot people. I didn't strong arm people, you know, beat people up. I didn't do any stuff like that. You know, I sold weed and LSD. It's like, you know, mellow. But I always tell people, you know, I was an outlaw. You know, I, I, I broke the law because I thought it was wrong. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm with that, man. I mean, that's something, something we talk about here often. I, th I think that I still stand by this. The number one thing we can do, not only for just the personal liberty of 
a majority of people on the planet, but also for the mental health crisis and everything else that we face on a grand scale is ending the war on drugs. You're finding out you did a better portion of your life behind bars for something that now there are companies being traded publicly on the stock market. So it, was, it wasn't okay when you were doing it on the streets, but put a couple of suits behind it. Now all of a sudden, not only uh, are there still people getting locked up for, well, for LSD certainly, but for cannabis too. What were we talking about before the show? How many people a year like six, are still? 600,000 people, you know, were arrested for cannabis last year, man. It's ridiculous. I mean, when is it going to stop? It's a plant. It's a plant, and it's something I think. Or Steve, are we at 37 or 34 huh? states now? I think 37. I think 37 states now out of 50. One out of, uh, or two out of every three people live in an area where uh, cannabis is legalized now. And uh, we keep getting these articles. What kills me is we keep getting these articles like, it went through the House of Representatives. Mm -hmm. We did it. We got somewhere. It's a step in the right direction. I always aching it to someone's smashing me in the dick repeatedly just <laughs> punching me and then they say well we're going to take weekends off and i'm supposed to go ah it's like count my blessings so you're no. only going to punch me in the dick on weekdays yeah dude i need every day of that stuff it's the only <laughs> no, way i, I can get I off now bro i know what you mean man because look i've always See? seen myself like i mean I feel like I'm like I'm like a cannabis warrior, like whatever. When I got introduced to cannabis, you know, when I was 13, like in my teenage years, it just kind of evened everything out for me, you know. Yeah. And even due to, it's not like I smoke weed every day. I had 13 years in prison where I didn't touch any substances. You know, I was completely because I wanted to be. Sure. Were there you drugs in there? Could you get you drugs? You could get drugs. You could get heroin, weed, anything. Man. Yeah. When I first came in, I used to bring weed in and stuff like that. But you know, I, I just always saw myself as like. Uh, you know, especially now, because, you know, it's, it's like you were talking about. It's like yesterday's marijuana conspiracy is today's marijuana business plan. No I doubt. mean, what's the difference? It's the same thing. So why, why are there still people doing time for this when people are making millions of dollars? I mean, it's just, no. you know, it's crazy. But I can't say, I, I feel like you too, Steve. Like, I mean, when are they going to do something? But, I mean, we got to take what we can get, man. Yeah. Cause, look, I grew up in the 80s, man, and, and we used to get little brick pot. You know, awful from Mexico, like, and we were happy, man. We were happy, and we paid a lot of money for it, and we were happy because we just got like a little buzz off this brick pot. Sure. It was probably like eight percent THC, and then look now, dude. Now it's like, you know, I, I, I'm a cultivator now. I grow my own, right? So, you know, and and I, I do hydro too. So, you know, I I put a lot of nutrients. I juice it up. <laughs> you, know what I'm you know, I like those. Hey, I like those big, you know resiny buds you know but uh you know now I got, and you can I got, do that at home now dude in missouri like that's yep now look i got i got like i can smoke this great rock candy that i grew that's like 21 percent. you know i got okay. i could i could smoke this blue dream that's like 17 percent. you know all no stuff that i grew myself and the and the cost for you to grow it compared to having to go and try and buy it at a medical dispensary right I now i mean it ain't even it, it we're talking apples and oranges as far as as costs go Oh my God! Yeah, I'm starting my first grow as a legal cultivator, and not only is it so cool that I'm gonna get all this medicine at the end of it, but it's just a fucking cool hobby. Oh, like yeah, yeah, seeing yeah. your girls grow every day. You're running hydro, so you're a little bit <clears throat> more on top of things. You got to stay on top. I'm I'm running soil right now for my first time, just figuring yeah, yeah. it out. That's the easiest way to learn. I'm falling in love with it, and I'm learning more about myself, and I'm also learning that people who cultivate usually have big old hearts, big souls. They're always given, like, if they could grow extra medicine just to kind of tinker with, 
then they would give away a bunch of the medicine. I'll never forget, I, uh, there's an article with Ricky Williams back in the day, and he gave someone a ride after he kind of had his breakdown yeah. from the NFL. You know, that was his mental Imagine breakdown. That, he dude. chose weed over the NFL. How dare he? Yeah. And then he went, <clears throat> and they had a Sports Illustrated article, and someone paid him for giving him a ride in a big, it looked like a, an ounce of nugs. And I remember being like, shit, shit's currency up there. Yeah. It's fucking currency. And I think if you grow a lot, obviously you're like this barter system where you can say, oh, yeah, dude, here's a fucking ounce. Come over, fix my fucking doors for me. Like we should really uh, allow people, allow the market to do what it's always did, because that's what I always talk about is people have figured out the weed market a long, long time ago. So to hear these dispensaries say, welcome to the new market here in Missouri, it just irks me because, no, the market is not new. What you guys say the market is is new to you guys who yeah. are opening and, up a shop. And they're just paying some ad executive somewhere to come up with the name and the logo and the marketing scheme yep. and everything. One million percent, <laughs> man. Well, and, and it's, it's. I mean... They all go to the a, same person, too. They all go to the same fucking person. It's amazing how connected the few people that have actually got licensing here oh. to be, right? Yep. Uh, and the, there's some... You know, I, I want to... I, w- I really want to get into your story and, like, kind of give people... An idea yeah, of what, what that's even like, because we're talking about, you know, this is a place where the show is a place and this community that we've built is a place where we want to take the war on drugs head on. We want to try and end this thing. And <clears throat> part of that is uh, realizing that the, the whole scheduling process is it, like I feel like the cannabis uh, cannabis culture in general has this really bad habit of always trying to quantify how much safer it is than other chemicals right always getting compared to alcohol it's always the alcohol that that's what uh, i think about in general or man we have these other harder drugs to worry about and the idea is is there <clears throat> we know that prohibition doesn't work we know that it doesn't work no matter what we apply it to but yet we it, it's it's a it's a comfort food for us like the idea is is like no there there is still like some merit to the drug war we should lock up only the people that are doing the hard drugs when we're seeing in places that have decriminalized drugs like portugal and have have programs set up where it is uh, treated as a health problem instead of a, uh, you know, a criminal problem, that overdoses are plummeting. Use, use isn't necessarily dropping, right? But, but the overdoses are new use isn't picking up. The youth are, the youth are using it at, a, at a, uh, a smaller rate. So the idea is, is to kind of change people's minds about, well, this is the way that we've always done it, so certainly that's how it, that's how it goes. There, it is an undeniable fact that criminalizing drugs specifically cannabis but all drugs in general is a huge money maker for a select few amount of people it it makes a lot of money keeping people in cages for a plant and uh right now missouri is rolling out a medical program and i am extremely frustrated i am extremely frustrated with uh how slow some of the things are moving and like i mean we can cheer the good things that are happening if I can say the best thing, and we've kind of known this all along, the best thing about our program is that we can grow at home. And I'm telling you, uh, there was an article uh, by GrownIn.com uh, with Lyndall Fraker, director of the program, where Lyndall's tipping his hand even more. Lyndall's still in charge. Republican, you know, uh, Parson got reelected. His whole team is still in charge of DHSS. They are doubling down on keeping this market limited. Uh, and I want to get into that uh, a little bit later on about kind of the things that he's saying about uh, possibly issuing more licenses and everything, because 
right now, I just want all patients to know the only way that you're going to continue to get affordable medicine, the only way is to get yourself a caregiver or grow at home. You're not going to be able to be on any kind of real, I mean, the. I don't want to say everybody, obviously plenty of people can afford it at the prices that it's set at, but the average Joe, the average person that I know that is really looking for relief from a medical cannabis market, they can't afford to pay 65 bucks. There's no way. You just can't There's do it. There's no so way. You're gonna have to Outrageous. You're going to have to cultivate at home. You're going to have to get a, a caregiver to do it for you. Um, 520 an ounce. It's insane, it's dude. Plus tax. Unbelievable. That's what I'm saying. Plus how tax. How dare Look, they? Maybe in the... Uh, Dude, there might have been a time in the late 80s where if you had really good weed, you could probably get five or 600 an ounce. But. Dude, I remember there's a song, Tech Nine and Scatterman and Snug Brim, and he's like, 650 a zone. Scatter got some vittles on it. Yeah. And I was like, 650 yeah, an ounce? Oh, my God. Dude, <laughs> dude, back in the day in California, like if you went to Humboldt, like in the late 80s, in the late 80s, and you wanted, like, the best weed, even though it was outdoor, you know, sun growing out there, it, it would be, like, five, five, 55, $55 a pound, man. Shit. Dude, those dudes would grow, like, 10 pounds. Dude. And Dude. then they'd get, like, 55 grand like that. When 50 you, grand, it would last them the whole year. Fuck. When did you find out about drugs? Were you, like, fucking exposed to it when you were younger? Or like, when did you start picking up on it? Because I thought weed was heroin until I was, like, 18. No, when, you know, it was weird because I, I was, like, a, um, I always played sports. So I was, like, a jock. That's, you know? that's harsh. That's harsh. I hung, out, I hung out with the jocks, you know? Yeah. And, and I was in California, and this is, like, junior high. And uh, it's, like, with the dudes, you know, I play basketball with, soccer with, whatever. And it was actually like a, a Mexican dude and a, uh, you know, American, but from Mexican descent and a kid that was from Japanese descent. And we were like real cool. And like one time they were just like, hey, man, let's get some weed. And in Cali, you know, this was like 80, you know, probably 82, 83, you know, in Cali. So it was like the fucking the weed. It was like tie sticks. You would get like tie yeah. sticks. Howie, wowie. There was like sure. a little period like in the late 70s where the smugglers got it down and really good weed was coming into Was Cali. that as good as anything today? Like, or I wouldn't say so, but I mean, it Kay. is, you know, I, I think that indoor now is, it's the stuff now is just so much more juicy, juicy, you know what I'm saying? Sure. It's just like, you know, it's like the resin just oozes out. You're just, damn. damn. God. <laughs> You're like, oh, it looks like <laughs> alien, right? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I, 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 I smoked some good weed, sure. man, but, you know, when I was a kid, but all three of us, they, they kind of, like, you know, let's do it, like buddies. Yeah. And then the Japanese kid, he, like, he didn't do it anymore at all. Then I, like, went, you know, whatever. I, like, jumped overboard. And, you know, I was like, whoa, oh, marijuana, <laughs> drugs. Cannonball. I was like, you know. And, uh, you know, but I think I was influenced because I was like, you know, Fast Times at Ridgemont High and stuff like that. So I was like, you know, the Jess Piccoli wannabe or whatever. No doubt. You know, and then uh, and then the, the, the Mexican kid, he was kind of like, you know, he was kind of like half and half. He would party, but he still kept sports. Like when I started partying, I was kind of like, you know, fuck sports. Yeah. And I was kind of like, man, I'm just going to fucking. What were you playing? Football? Man, I played everything, dude. I yeah. wrestled. <laughs> Yeah. I was like fucking, you know. I okay, was like, sorry, I didn't mean Joe to. Was, hey, <laughs> I was like Joe fucking athlete, dude. Whatever. You still got it? You, know? you still got the wrestling thing? Because I wrestled yeah, uh, 98 pounds my freshman year, oh, yeah. but I oh, made yeah. it one practice until I was worried about getting a bone. You know what? I, you know what I was. You know what I was known for in the joint, right? No. For choking motherfuckers out. Really? <laughs> 
Oh, shit. I like it. Let's hey, lock him up. Shit. <laughs> oh, lock him up. I've been trying to teach my kids that, and my kid's 11, and just turned 11, and a couple times I'm like, oh, shit. Like, you know, I'll never tap. No. But I'm thinking Slam about it. Yeah, I'll, I'll figure something out Flip for this kid. But I've taught him too too good of a chokehold. So you're getting – what? when are you getting tie sticks? When, when it was 82? Are you 13, yeah, like, 14? Like, yeah, when I was about 13, about eight, 82, 83. Okay, so did you start selling? Where are you in the country at this point? California. You said you're in California. Yeah, San Jose. Okay, and in, you're – In the valley, like in the valley in San Jose. It's like the valleys out there, they're like really multicultural. Sure. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you got a lot of white kids, but it's like – I grew up multicultural, you know, it was like, sure. you know, a lot of Spanish, a lot of African-Americans, you know, a lot of Asians, you right know, because out there it's like, you know, especially in the school, you know, everybody kind of moves around together. Yeah. I mean, the history of it, it makes sense. That's yep. what happened over there. Yeah. So, um, so you start, that's when you start dealing a little bit with your buddies. Like, uh, what you- I'm more like, I was the one who would go get it. Sure. I was the one who knew the people. So if you do, you know, like you you guys all give me money, and then I yeah. get enough money, then I don't got to pay for it, and I'm still getting high. Yeah. You dealing with sketch balls at this point? Because we all dealt with some, you know, one or two along the way. We we'd one bad. The dealers yeah. you were dealing with, yeah. you know, like they were all right, but you start getting graduating a little bit, and you're like, I got a coke from this guy, yeah. had a fucking uh, Bowie knife on his fucking table <laughs> the whole time, made me uncomfortable as shit. You know, no, we used to get we used to get like the tie sticks a lot of the weed. It was just a, it was an African American kid who was maybe two or three grades ahead of us. You know that we remember from like sixth grade. You know, and he was like sure. in eighth grade or something. Yeah, he had like Jerry curls and everything. <laughs> I don't even remember his name, but he was like this cool dude. Like he was always home, and that's sure. what he did. He just like sold, sold you know, it. like dime bags yeah, or or like you know whatever. I don't remember how the tie sticks came i, I mean it, we i think it was like little circle things you know like in a little dime bag you know maybe like a like a nickel yeah sure you know about that parameter or a penny okay yeah. you know and you would just get like a little slice of it for like 10 bucks okay. really yeah how many joints is are you rolling off with that i don't know are you rolling joints know. or blunts yeah, we would roll joints we'd roll nah, not aluminum. joints blunts didn't come around until like aluminum the 90s, can man. Really? poke a hole in there oh, yeah, aluminum the, cans. i did that a few times <laughs> like an you know what i, I think blunt. really i think in the 80s though man i think on the lots people used to roll blunts man but they you know i don't know what they i don't like the brands you know i don't know it was phillies and all that that's yeah. like a rap thing yeah but i think deadheads were were we're rolling stuff. They're rolling it and whatever. So I remember people having like, you know, a cigar paper or, yeah. or whatever. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh man. You know, I remember that back in the eighties. So I don't know, but who knows where that came from. You never know. So, uh, when you started like actually, you know, moving weight, were you on the East coast at that point? Was that the deal? Mm-hmm. So you'd move. When'd you make the move? Yeah. Well, my dad, my dad was in the military. So basically every two, three years we would move. You gotcha. know, so I, we had just been in California because we had been like San Diego, Long Beach, San Jose, Monterey. And then we jumped to England. I lived in England for a couple years. Damn. And then that's when we moved back to the East Coast, like, uh, I don't know, 86, 87. Okay. And we moved to Virginia. And that's my dad got out of the military and he got a job uh, with Northit. Uh, Northrop Grumman, yeah, yeah. like a big defense contractor. Sure, yeah. Yeah, so that was like his job. You know, he did 20 years in the Navy. He Damn. was like an officer, got out, and then he was basically, I guess, uh, selling, because he had the clearances to go in the Pentagon, so he was like presenting, you know, what they were trying to sell the military. And you know, his, it's a good racket, man, selling yeah. We live in Northern Virginia. That's yeah. my case is out of Northern Virginia. I mean, it's like a really 
or back then i don't you know i haven't been around but it was really lily white you know rich area yeah. you know fairfax mostly made up of government contractors and yeah, employees right yeah. like senators <laughs> damn people and yeah but it was dude it was like a crazy uh i mean just like in any kind of suburban you know or middle class you know community or society i guess anywhere I mean, th there's like a real big drug under underground. Sure. Cause I, I used to say, I remember when I was a kid, right? And I was always like, you know, not a kid, but a teenager. Again, I sold weed and I sold a lot of weed. And I'd be like, man, everybody I know smokes pot. Everybody I know. I used to tell people that all the time. Yeah. Everybody I know smokes pot. And now, you know, okay, I had to go do all this sentence and all this bullshit and 21 fucking years later. And now I get out. And now, oh, it's like 75% of the people yeah, are now, fucking now smoke fucking, pot. I gotta, now I got to see everybody's Gwyneth Paltrow just, talking yeah, about I'm, fucking Yeah, Netflix. but I, it's just, you know, I said that back then. But I mean, I'm I'm happy, but at the same time, you're like, damn, like, why was I, we you know, <laughs> so before my time, man? And I had to like pay this fucking price. But whatever shit happens. Uh, Steve's asked that before. Like, what do we, you know? It's it's kind of hard to sit here and fucking rejoice when there's. I mean, we 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 a couple of our friends run the Can of Convict Project, which is you know, these people they don't know any of these people that are locked up. They just do it because they know that these people need someone to stand in their corner and fucking write letters for them and show up for them in court. I think that what they do is some of the most just admirable. I, I love Christina Fromer and, and Chris Smith and anybody attached with Can of Convict Project. No doubt. And I want to just shower them with as many resources them, as we possibly tag them can. In the feet of someone anybody can. can tag Can of Convict Project because it really is important to us because I I do I I got a lot of fucking you know fuck you and me and if I was locked up for fucking half of my life like I'd like to say okay yeah cool I'm glad I got my freedom I'm gonna put myself in Seth's shoes for a second. Uh, thanks for letting me out, but you know I kind of missed out on a lot of shit for something that now all of you dickheads are are toasting at at, at some oh, two hundred dollar a plate fucking dinner. You know, like, I feel weird about that shit because the uh, people will be like, "This is a luxury dispensary," and I'm like, "Oh, it is. I'm sure it certainly is. You should have it look like a cell and be yeah. like, this is your luxury cell that you get twenty five years to life over because you had more than a pound." Oh, that's like they were talking about on the last can of convict. Yep. When the guy's getting 25 to, to life, maybe yep. uh, for a little over a, or a little less than a pound. Lance Glory. <laughs> Unbelievable, dude. And now they're saying they with the business licenses, like I'm sitting on this this much weight right now and I'm going to turn it into. We're going to talk about, about in the news. We're going to talk dude. about that as well. Another piece of oh, uh, but Missouri yeah, happy, news that we got. Still like what the fuck? The first manufacturing plant in Missouri. Can't happen. Which is it can't happen fast enough. Clover's no uh, doubt. Clover's plant looks like uh, they're uh, about to be uh, operational. But uh, there's some there's some things said just right out the gate in both of these weed articles we're going to cover that just kind of get in my yeah, fucking crawl, crawl a just bit. a little bit in my kitchen. But mm. so we're going to talk about that a little bit uh, after a while. So all right, Seth, you're you're out in Virginia now. Listen, uh, what I, was England like? You remember it? Oh, England probably, was cool. England was cool, man. You're, well, you were 14, 15 when you were in England. Yeah, and I, could, I was tall, so I could like go right in the bars and drink. They didn't give a fuck. <laughs> as long as you can see over the go bar. The I, had long, I had long, real long hair, too. <coughs> I thought you kind of have a British accent. I was wondering where I was picking that up. <laughs> no, they said when I first came back, 
You did? You'd pick yeah, it up to a Virginia. Bit. I had like, because I, I moved from California to there. So when I came back to Virginia, they were like, you kind of got like a, you know, like a Valley Boy uh, <laughs> that English is Cockney accent. accent. Yeah. Dude, how Cockney about it? Seth, Seth comes from California. He's like, whoa, tubular dude. What's up, everybody in Virginia or whatever? And he's like, hey, man, I'm from Virginia now. All right. I'm, I'm down in the fucking coal mine. Why don't you get your shit together? Comes back from England. He's like, hey, Gavin. Hey, chap. Hey, you want right to tea? Right <laughs> like, Wow, I think your voice changed a little bit, Seth. And then I go to prison. And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then you're like, oh, God. <laughs> I'll just talk like this here, I guess. Yeah, this, uh, is, this is how I talk. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, so then you're back in Virginia after England, now, I, right? I lived yeah. in the city, right? Like growing up, you lived in the city. For me, and I don't know if your experience is similar to this, my parents moving me to the suburbs introduced me to more drug possibilities than I, I, eh. I didn't feel like it was readily available to me in the city unless you wanted to run with the seedy bunch. But if you like out whenever I whenever my parents moved me to a more affluent neighborhood, that was when kids went from smoking pot, like you know, like little seedy brickweed, to all of a sudden kids were bringing cocaine to parties. I feel like, like it's about even. Yeah, yeah, I feel it's about. Yeah, I, that that was my experience, and I yeah. also moved away when I was fourteen, so I wasn't really getting into the party scene yeah. yet, you know. But by the time I was in the suburbs, I'm like, my God, like yeah. these. All, first off, all the kids had way more money, just expendable yeah. allowances or I whatever. I saw Coke like, more in the suburbs. Yeah, but yeah that's what I feel like. I found yeah. dudes who did Coke in the city, too. Oh, I'm I, sure. I know, I know kids that I went to high school with, they would, like, cashed in, like, CDs that their parents might have gave them for, like, their birthday or Christmas one year or something, and they'd get whatever, like, five grand, and they'd get the money, and they'd come and they'd bring it to me, you know, to, like, do something. I'd get dudes, like, you know, invest. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. you know, I had a lot of that, especially when I first kind of started out, you know, because like any business, when you first get into it, you know, you know, if you're a smart businessman, the more investment capital you have, you know, the better deal you can get, you know, and sell higher retail so you can make more money, you know, so I, I realized at a young age, I was like, man, I need more money. Yeah. Yeah, because really, when I first started out, I had, I had like my god brother and like his friends, they were all deadheads, and I used to go over to them. And, but, you know, they'd be selling. Even back then, I was probably, I don't know, it was probably like 60, I'd say we were paying like 60, 65, a quarter, a quarter. A quarter? Yeah. Okay. For this good, is like, like fluffy. Bugs. No, for, I'd say for, for, for brick weed. Yeah. yeah. You know, for, uh, but sometimes like in the fall, like only in the harvest, like in the fall, yeah. the, the good outdoor would come around. And like the good outdoor, that was like, you're like, yeah. Oh, like, God. You know, like That's when you got to treat now. yourself. There, it was like, this is kind of. For sure. Yeah, but now you're like, huh, maybe it wasn't that good. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt. Yeah, whatever, you know, fond memories. But uh, how much were you making at your peak, can you say? I was probably, you know, I always tell people, like, they say, how, were, how much were you making? Like, I mean, I was probably generating 20, 30 grand a month. Not like I was making 20. You know, sometimes sure. people say. Sure. You know, I mean, so but you know, I was making, I was making twenty, thirty thousand a month, but you know, it wasn't all my money; it was somebody else's money. I was yeah. maybe taking like fifteen percent of that. You know, okay. that's how that's a lot of the ways. That's how it is. Sure. But you're generating that cash, so you're handling a ton of that twenty, thirty grand every month. You know, yeah. which a lot of people, you know, don't do. So, you know, you know, so you can say, yeah, you got twenty, thirty grand. They don't know if it's yours or if it's a, you know, is your connection. <laughs> you know what I'm Damn. saying? So people take things and run with them or whatever. So. You know, some people would say 20, 30, but really, you know, I was. I was generating that type of money every month. So in high school, were you just balling out, like having parties and shit, or were you trying to keep it low-key? No, nah, I was like, 
you know, like, I'm trying to think Air Jordans, man. They came at like 85, right? Sure. 85, I'm thinking, or 84. Yeah. Had to be somewhere right? right in there. But, dude, every time. So that was like, you know, I got like the first one. I think it was like red and black. Oh, no, the first ones were also all white. And then they had the red and black. But I remember I had the red and black and I had the blue and black at the same time. And I used to wear them like reversed. But, dude, every time like new Air Jordans would come out, I would get them. And a lot of times I got to the point where I would get them. Yeah, weren't these the first ones? Yeah, I think I'm right. Yeah, yeah, those were the first yeah. ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The white and then, yeah, but I, I would get whatever 85. new ones came out, you know, and then I might wear them. And then, 150. you know, something else comes out or whatever. I would just, like, give them to people or whatever. I was like, man. 150 G you know, in an auction if you've held on to those. Did you happen to hold on to those? <laughs> Dude, I probably, at one time, like, late 80s, I probably had, like, I don't know, 100, 150 pair of Air Jordans. Was everybody like, damn, look at this dude. Look at Seth. There, He's moonwalking down the street. There wasn't even that many brands. There wasn't even that many probably that came out. I just had a bunch. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I would just buy them. You know Did you even wear them? Half of them you didn't even wear. Nah. You know, you wear them when they're new. And then yeah. I just give them, start giving them all away. So you're, uh, are you just moving, <laughs> just moving just a little bit of weed and weed here and there, like to kind of start out some county kids, and then you kind of get introduced to LSD, or does it kind of all happen at once, or? No, I mean, them that you know, my godbrother's friends, they're they're like on tour. You know, they're going sure. on tour. You know, I'm like I'm like 16. I'm like on tour. I'm like, what's that? I'm like really intrigued. So you're going you to know? festivals and shit? No, like? no, because I'm 16. I can't. You know, I can't just like take off at 16. Right. You know, even though I wanted to, but you know, but they're introducing me to LSD and I'm taking it and I'm kind of selling it and I'm doing it. But then I eventually got to the point where. Uh, you know, I was like making, I was bringing them all the business. I was the one making all the money. So I, I you know, I told my godbrother, I knew him my whole life. So I was like, man, hook me up, dude. I go, I go, I got a little cash flow, man. I'm not trying to go through you guys. I'm trying to. Right. So you know, he he introduced me to people on tour and then introduced me to some uh, people in Kentucky I could get weed to, you know. So I started going down to Kentucky, driving down 81. From you Virginia to Kentucky. Kentucky? Yeah, right when you go into Kentucky, it says open for business. So I always remember that, like the first time. That's like their state motto. <laughs> like the first time. You know, I'm, going <laughs> I'm going down there with like eight grand. I got like eight grand cash, dude. And I'm going down there to the, meet the fucking weed farmer, dude. I'm like so happy, dude. I was probably like 17. That's awesome. Open, open for, for fucking business. business. And I saw that and I was like, yes. <laughs> the guy that I knew that money's like burning a hole and I go and plus I'm scared because I don't know. No know, doubt. Yeah, we're going down this dirt road to this dude, this big old country dude, got guns, pit bulls everywhere. Fuck. You know. So you go to his farm? This is yeah, before cell phones, yeah. so like this is just yeah. you gotta kinda roll up on a dude's property. Yeah. Like. <laughs> dude, he lived in Monticello, Kentucky. Okay. What are you gonna That's give like his address? On here? Like 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 you had to go twenty miles, you know, because he lived in a dry county. So you had to go to Tennessee. It was like 20 miles away, you know, to get alcohol. Was <laughs> it illegal to bring back, too, if it's a dry county? Can you not bring I mean, it we back? we didn't bring it back. We didn't care. I mean, it probably was. Dry county is just not sold in that county. I yeah. think that's the deal. But can you have it there? I don't know. I don't know if you can even fucking have it there. I don't know. But that's I fucking wild. But alcohol is so, How many times? Say, you know, compared to marijuana. Yeah. You know? How many times did you do that run? Oh, a lot. Yeah. You know, probably, you know, a couple times a month. How far away was it from you? Maybe like Four seven. No, oh, okay. maybe like seven hours. Yeah. Okay, so that's a pretty good haul. Because it was all you had to go all the way to Kentucky, like southwestern Kentucky. Okay, getting yeah, almost yeah. to Missouri, huh? Yeah. Okay, but dude, how were the drives back? Was it all, all nervous? Like, ah, uh, dude, I was just never. Uh, what kind of car are you driving at that point? I had dude? Subarus. Dude, I had uh, Subarus. I had three the wagons. Subarus. No, so you just yeah, a little I, Baja I truck. 
No, I had one. It was like uh, kind of like, I guess, a forebear of the cross trek. I don't know what it was called. Yeah. A little hatchback. Yeah. Right? And then I had two. That it was like they said on the side, like turbo uh, four-wheel drive station wagons. I right love on. those, yeah. dude. Those, those are little Impreza to, wagons or whatever. You had a WRX blue and gold with the gold <laughs> wheel. Like, Fast and Furging fit with trying one to bag make of it. Yeah, trying to make it back look, in record I, time. You know, my I told you my dad was Navy, so sure. he had like all these military hats, you know, from the ships he was on. So I would take those You'd hats. You'd fucking wear one. No. <laughs> I would no. Sneak, I would always like. Stolen Valor? Like, no. Come yeah. on. Yeah, I would sneak into his room, <laughs> take his hat, <laughs> wear it for the trip back. You know, sometimes my hair might case. be a little longer. Because yeah. I was rocking. I had like that, what they call that 89 club cut. You know, where it was all a mullet. On little, top, little Camaro hair. On the side. Yeah, a little Camaro yeah, hair. Little so Camaro. I would push all my hair up under the hat. <laughs> Admiral? Oh. Yeah, I would say, like, whatever, whatever ships he was on, you know. And that that is yeah. fucking hilarious. Yep, just getting to my boat. Uh, <laughs> got to get, it's a ship, sir. I know you're faking it. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, Did you ever get pulled over? Nah, I mean, luckily, you know, never. <laughs> luckily, I mean, I just, yeah, I mean, the story you know, does end a little bit more bleak than you I mean, getting pulled over. Yeah. I mean, I can say I, I, I've never been, like, busted. Like through my own yeah. stupidity, sure. maybe my own stupidity because of the people I trusted. Right, but yeah. they tricked me. Fucking whatever. <laughs> they still around? Yep, 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 yep. Now it's getting good. Let's go to commercial. We'll be right back after that. Oh, uh, got anything from the text line? We haven't read. We've anything got all from kinds of stuff heathens. on the text line, man. We haven't read anything. First from off, uh, Chris and Christina chimed in. Said thanks for the support. Uh, he got 22 years. He served 11, uh, and uh, still in still in custody. Is not granted parole. So uh, if you guys go to, I believe it's uh, Agonist. Canna Agabus, Agabus, Agonist Canna, this? Agonist. Agonist. Ag- I'm going to post it in the link. But okay, you can also find we'll Canna uh, Convict Project. I think Tiffany Jones uh, tagged in the Facebook feed. Find him on Facebook. Follow along. Christina will tell you what you need to do, what they she need will. help with. Let's uh, write a letter. Who, who to write a letter to. We should do it every week. That's something yeah. that we can task some Hoosiers to do. Let's write some letters, guys. Yeah, Everybody's not? such passionate writers in our group. Yeet. It could just say if yeet. You, if you, if you, Write, please write a letter. No, don't. We probably shouldn't write just letters. Says the just says ye. <laughs> Why not? It'll get the point across. Uh, all right. So, Seth, you're you were about 16 when this all happens. This is kind of working for you for a couple of years. Carries over into uh, college, and the operation kind of starts to get a little bigger. Yeah, you, you know that a lot of the people that I was, you know, supplying with weed and LSD. Eventually, they graduated away to high school and went to college, and they went to, like, colleges all over the East Coast. You know, like, uh, you know, Virginia has a ton of colleges, but, you know, then Kentucky, West Virginia, yeah. Pennsylvania, Maryland. So I had, like, friends at all these places, and they're like, hey, dude, Nature's come party, bring some bud. You got some trips? I'm like, fuck yeah. You know, it was like, have drugs, will travel. So I started doing that shit. You know, I was, like, just driving around. It was like a fucking party, you know, uh, there was always nice women, you know, nice ladies in each different spot, you know, that I got to, you know, introduce to and meet, you, were, you know, through my friends. You were doing Playboy's rankings you know? of the <laughs> hot chicks for the school. Was, that was your first was journalism gig. Unlike now, you know, I'm a happily married man. I was a single man. You know, I was playing the field. You know, I was, you know, checking everything out. Tell us about the one that got away, bud. 
<laughs> I, I got hey, I, I got her. She never. Oh, she well got played, her. sir. Hit the applause Still button. Got her. Hit the applause button right there. I love you, baby. I love you, baby. I like I mean, how you had all that cash and got a nice, reliable vehicle instead of something flashy. Just a nice, reliable, practical Subaru. Chris said, "Just go ahead and follow Canna Convict Project on Facebook." Um, what else we got here? Yeah, I love, I love uh, organizations like the Canna Convict Project and like the Last Prisoners Last Project Prisoner. out, of, out of California. Um, I mean, just the people, you know, and and they got like Amy Candu, you know. That she gets does a lot of clemency stuff for people, you know, in the feds, you know, try to get them out, compassionate release. But, uh, yeah, they need to let all the marijuana people out. I mean, if – I mean, the only thing I can say that's going to hold somebody, like, if they got, like, you know, violence – I mean, I don't even care if they have guns. A lot of people have guns, man. Sometimes, sure. you know, drug business, you, you know, and you're dealing with you a lot of money. You yourself. have guns. It's for protection, just like regular people have their guns for protection. You know, and if it's just some weed or something, you know, it's not like, you know, if they use it, whatever, you know, you got to pay the uh, consequences for the – Sure, but you should and, still and be, violence, able to, yeah, violence, be able to protect yeah. yourself. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. So what is it? I mean, uh, you know, we, we can only imagine what it means. Like, you know, you know a lot of these guys on the inside. Did you have a pretty good support network when you were in there? Because I think a lot of these people don't, man, and, they're you know, they don't have the resources to take a fight to the state or to – I mean, is it easy to appeal shit? Like, what, what does it take for someone on the inside to get a, a, a fair shake if they don't really have, you know, family looking out for them? I mean, are these, you know, are people like Canada Convict Project and Last Prisoner Project, like, you know, are, are, are guys on the inside appealing to people like that? You know, how, how much does it really help for people in there, I guess is what I'm asking. No, I think it, it does help, you know, and especially that these organizations are, are standing up, you know, because of legal weed. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So they're standing up and, and they're basically demanding this. But, uh, yeah, it provides hope for people, man. Because, look, the biggest thing about prison is, that, you know, besides, like, they dehumanize you and all that. But it's like they just they try to, you know, extinguish hope, like, in your soul, man. They, they, you know, they try to beat you down. Not like they Sometimes physically, but, you know, most of the time not physically, just like with their rules and all the bullshit you you got to go through and frustrations and you know like you get so angry and there you're just like used to it. you're just like okay because you know if you do react or you do something they're gonna stupid, use it against you well you're gonna they're gonna throw you in the hole dude you're gonna be in a locked in a room 24 7 dude in a little like a bathroom man locked in your bathroom with a bed and sometimes with another dude i'm <laughs> saying dude it's like they treat like human beings like worse than uh you know the dogs and kennels man That's dogs fun. and kennels all get their own cells man that's fucking hard, man. Damn. That's yeah, so it's, it's real dehumanizing, but, and it's just crazy, you know, so that's why I'm saying I, I applaud organizations like that, and uh, we really, we need more people to stand up and get all the people out. No know, doubt, They deserve man. to be out. No doubt. Whew. That's fucking hard. You remember your first time you did acid? Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> I would say the, the, the first time, like, I don't think it did anything. You know, like a lot of times, the first time, like you I don't got know high, what you're looking for. Yeah, I didn't feel yeah. like I, w- I didn't feel like I got Oof. high. I don't first time I did acid, I was definitely on acid. <laughs> 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 there was no doubt about that one. Well, I think when I was probably drinking too, so I, sure. mean, I was like, maybe I felt like it was making me like I could drink longer. Sure, know, sure. Affecting me. Yeah. But uh, you know, but then uh, I tripped a lot, dude. I tripped before I went to prison. I tripped. I tripped a lot, man. I probably tripped. I want to say. Maybe a thousand, I don't know. Wow. 
That's a lot. I mean, I can't count exact, but sure. I tripped a lot, dude. Like, and because I would take multiple, and I'm talking multiple hits, because I would take sometimes, you know, because if you take acid, like one day one, the next day two, the next day four, the next day eight, and I would like trip every day for months. Shit, how'd that work out? <laughs> I mean, how the fuck got, do you do that? I got that? a 25-year sentence. That's how it worked yeah, yeah. out, man. Fucking worked out pretty well, Steve. Thanks for asking. Appreciate you, bud. Basically. You kind of know the story there. Um, how do you do Because I remember my mom saying people can get addicted to mushrooms, and I did mushrooms, and I was like, people can fucking do this for days upon days at a time. We see a lot of articles now that are, you know, talk about the spiritual and kind of woke and uh, millennial aspect of psychedelics, if you will. Did you ever get any, and there's obviously a lot to that, but did you ever get any sense of that when you were taking acid back in the day? Like, whoa, shit, this could be a medicine or this could, this could help humanity. I don't know. I did it more for, I see it more like a, like a sacrament, like for enlightenment. You know, not like I'm over, I got some friends that are like really like into it. Like they think they're like LSD. Like oh, you have friends that are really into like it? That. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Yes, and I do. Do ceremonies, but uh, you know, I believe, I believe it more like that. Like it's a spiritual thing, but I do, you know, I do see, you know, that it can help for people that have gone through stuff and traumatic because it makes you look at things different ways. Yeah. You know, so sometimes like people get locked in like this, you mm -hmm. know, like tunnel vision and you're just attacking this problem this way and it's not working and you're so hard headed you can't see nothing. So you take a hit of acid and you'll be like, boom. Yeah. You know, it shows you different ways. So I think it, it can help like that. But, you know, it has to because it's intense, man. So it has to be administered, you know, the right way. Like I wouldn't advise nobody, you know, just go out. You know, drop a bunch of hits of acid. You know, you know, you like to have uh, certain people. Yeah. That, you know that you're comfortable with and stuff like that. What are your thoughts on like quote unquote bad trips? I can't really say. I mean, I probably had some times where I tripped and I just wanted to go by myself and like lay in a room and maybe I hear like a concert in my head. I don't know. You know I just feel like being like myself. <laughs> yeah. By myself. Sure. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, people say, "Oh, he's having a bad trip." Like, yeah, that's you know, it. He I talks my, about that all the time. I got my head under the cover. You know. You you're, speaking my, like a, you're speaking my. You're speaking my language, bud. Concert in my head. Dude, I'm tripping. <laughs> leave me alone. Yeah, I'm actually. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just sitting here having a conversation with God. I'm sure what you thought you were saying was so profound. I'm talking to God for fuck's sake. Craig, go have a seat. Craig, Jesus. Craig, look at this tree. It looks like it's laughing. <laughs> look at Which this I'm tree. with that, too. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's I'm with that, too. That's kind of fun. That's fun. Uh, <laughs> uh, do we want to go to break, maybe? And I then think we can, uh, it's uh, a good time for a break. We can come back. Oh, I do want to just kind of... We can keep talking about this a little bit. I want to talk about your uh, uh, your movie that you got yeah, coming out here pretty back. soon. And then, uh, keep them fucking we're gonna tuned talk in, about, baby. We're going to talk about some, some Missouri weed stuff that's really in my crawl, bud. Missouri okay, so weed. So yeah. yeah. Missouri weed. But, uh, but ooh, like ooh. Seth said, we are talking about Seth Missouri Ferrante weed. Seth so Ferrante brand. Cool. Seth Ferrante brand. All right. Are you cultivating your own brand of weed? I like it. I need a license. Oh, okay. Well, let's get I got this a, guy cultivator, a cultivator license, but not a cultivator to sell a brand license. I'd like to get a craft license. Be nice. Be we'll, real nice. We'll see how it happens with in the with the recreational. They did, uh, they did like craft licenses for like social equity, you know, like mm -hmm. ex-cons or like minorities, and they'd be given like a craft license, you know, and basically, you know, I don't know how much for, but you know, they made them available. I know the dude Freeway Rick got one. Okay. But what he had to that? partner with someone to get it, you know. But he has like his own brand called LA Kingpins. Okay. okay, I'm into it. I I, I will know. never support a criminal. 
<laughs> Never support a criminal like that. They they he? talked about having micro licenses in the last little offering for rec, but there was a lot of holes in that. Hopefully by 2022, we'll have the right bill that's going to allow a lot of people to not only grow cannabis, but to also share in the capital that yeah, the cannabis like industry like is going like to a, produce. I'd like to have a micro grow. That'd be nice. Look, look, this is what's going to happen, though, dude. I'm telling you, this is what happened in every state so far. It would be a tough battle to make this not happen. All right. As soon as it goes wreck, all the pharmaceutical people are coming in, just like they did in California, Colorado, every other state. They're going to buy everything, and then they're going to try to kill the underground. Yes. The first thing they do by killing the underground is make it so nobody can grow. Or they're going to drastically reduce the number that you can grow. I mean, it's good law here right now. It's good law. It's a good you know, law. You can grow. You can grow. It's a nice law to grow, you know, to have little grows. It's not good enough. plants, man. Yeah, if you're caregiving. <clears throat> 54 plants. That's not nice. bad. You know, it's not as nice as California one time. It was 99. You could have 99. <laughs> 99. You should have a limitless amount. I don't yeah. care how many you have. Grow but, as many uh, as you want. But now in California, it's like six ever since they went wreck. Oh, fuck. Yeah, that's. It uh, kills wreck. He's our buddy Jake Tracy. Our they talked about Jake that in Tracy Canada. Talked about that, like that was his business was a medical business out yeah. in California, and their 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 new rec bill just and eventually the recreational out. market will kill the black market. But it's going to take a long time, long time because the black market is really interesting. As like long as they keep these prices hey, look, up as where they're at right the now, the black market you can combine it. You can compare it to is prohibition, and like they were still bootlegging. But I'm telling you, like 10, 20 years. They weren't bootlegging. I mean, still moonshine, yeah, moonshine. Yep. So it's still going to be around to a certain extent in certain places, like probably Northern California. Always, they're going to grow there. Yeah. So perfect growing conditions, but uh, you know, it's 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 going to fade, and then it's going to fade to like brands. It's going to be brands like the most popular, like Budweiser. You know, sure. That's how it's going to be. God, I hope not. But God, that's going to take a long not. time. That's, that well, there'll like be. I mean, 50, you can look at the craft yeah. and look at the. Then you'll have a craft resurgence that. Yeah. You know that will happen like it has with beer, where. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, people are going to start pay more you know, for more exclusive. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Guys, let's say hi to Mike. Hey, y'all. That let's was take Mike. A, let's take that was Mike. Let's take a quick break. Uh, on the other side, we're going to keep talking to Seth Ferrani, outlaw filmmaker, and uh, we're going to cover the Missouri cannabis uh, industry a little bit. Good. Right there, bud. See you guys on the other side of the break. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We're having a good time. Getting wet. Swimming with the fishies. Where's those uh, weird those weird heads that were floating around? Those earlier? weird heads that were floating around. They're over there. When right I first now. came in, I saw them. <laughs> we I saw them. We try to make it, we try to make it a little weird around here for people. I got to tune kind in of Monday nights. I was kind of scared. He goes, man. I wish just I was a little on, bit. What people on acid watch this show, and I'm like, that's what we're trying to do. That's we hope. Exactly we hope. What we're trying to Maybe do. Maybe mushrooms. I don't know. Acid's a little intense for me these days. Yeah, I'm almost, hey, I'm almost fifty, man. It's a little intense for me. That's where I'm at. What are you doing for the next ten hours? I got shit to do. Okay, I can't be here for ten hours. Okay, mushrooms. I can be in and out in four or five. Yeah, Maybe get on my yeah, day. I like mushrooms. Hey, mushrooms and some whiskey. That's the best thing. Ooh. Remember that song? And a hot summer day. Ooh. Mushrooms and whiskey, and you got to take girl. the mushrooms like around 10 a.m. Damn right. Day tripper. Yeah, One-way one ticket. Yeah. It yeah, so, so by 7 or 8, you're like ready for bed, but you can't really sleep because you're fucking oh. just took mushrooms. And you've just had a great day where your dad told you how disappointed he was in you. That's why I say, dude, I am a fucking cannabis psychedelic warrior. 
I like it, man. We Don't might, we fuck might with you me. Up on the fucking wall. Yeah, we'll there. get you. We'll get you on the wall of psychonauts. We got to get Seth up there. Sorry, everybody's dead. That's now. what I tell. Hey, all these young kids now doing what they're doing. Telling you, pay the price for that, but do what you do. I love you. <laughs> there you go. I got the idea for a tomb to the unknown dealer, like just everybody's dealer back in the day, because none of this would have happened if there weren't people that oh, took the they fucking. They got to be celebrated risk. and recognized. Look, I want to do a series, dude. I love to find uh, someone to partner with me to do a series, right? Like a network, like for Netflix, like a badass series, dude. Like marijuana stories, and just pick like different figures, you know, dudes that got like really cool. You know, smuggling stories or whatever. Think of those dudes in the 70s, dude. They were bringing in shiploads, man. Dude. They uh, were taking it to, like, some point in Maine the coast and, like, hoisting it up the side of the cliff. Unbelievable, yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. Like, the, the, you know, the, the knowledge that these dudes did to just get this. Like, dude, they were bringing, like, tankers. They you couldn't know, be stopped. Like tons. There tons. Was, there was a war against them, and they couldn't be stopped. Could you they, imagine, a, a, like, an oil tanker, like, hollowed out with, like, tons of Colombian gold? Hold <laughs> on. I am right now. <laughs> oh, no. Why would you do that to me? And then they hoist it up, like, 100 feet <laughs> up a cliff. Meanwhile, the cops are in on Main Street going, oh, look, oh, 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 to my FBI agent who's watching me. The one. Yeah. Is hey, that his bud. name, Gary? Yeah. Gary's your guy's Gary name? Gary Thacker. Gary Thacker? I don't know. I think that's I actually one of our right followers. Yeah. I just, He's a fat? I don't know. Oh, shit. I just say things. Remember me? <laughs> the show's going to get indicted. Yeah, that's fine. We might get a little popular then. That might be a cool it's thing. about time. And, and if, if you guys are my co-defendants. Cheers to that. No, we're not pleading out. We're going to trial, <laughs> boys. Oh, yeah. We are going to trial. Get ready. We are going to fight. Okay. We don't lay down for nobody. <laughs> Meanwhile, you guys are in two interrogation rules going, we don't do shit. We ain't telling shit. I ain't saying nothing. I'm going, it was all them, guys. Here's the deal. Here, here's <laughs> a, I, have a I have a diagram here. I get out the whiteboard and start showing it down. Craig's the, I always say Craig's in charge of it. So if anyone asks... In charge of what? Exactly. <laughs> in, in charge yeah. of the cartel. Yeah. 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 It, whatever we have going yeah. that they'll hey, get you know us for. I saw a cool picture on Facebook today, right? It had, you know, it's a famous picture. It's like, you, everybody, I don't know if you guys seen it. It's like the famous picture of Pablo Escobar and his son, like in front of the White um, House. Yep. Yeah. It's like an iconic sure. picture, you know, because this was like when the war on drugs was at its height and they were like looking for him. And this dude was like so brazen. Right. But I saw this thing on Facebook today. It had that picture, but it said uh, Pablo Escobar uh, in front of, you know, the, the base of the biggest guns and drug cartel, you know, in the it, world, in the world. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. Dude, I mean, crazy. We have there is more than sufficient proof. I mean, it's common. It's it's well known, documented knowledge that the CIA has. Has put out. They 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 own the crack epidemic. Yeah, that's they bullshit. they prop up warlords and different cartels in different countries. That it's all about keeping their jobs and keeping a revenue a budget. Flow, they got a budget, their man. Budget. They got. I mean, that's the biggest challenge that we have with any of the scheduling processes. Well, now what do all of these uh, uh, unelected bureaucracies 
that are that are now just these leviathans that exist within federal government and they they make jobs for all of these people and that and 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 the the micro economies that are based around that the entire prison industrial complex that is that is held up around that Seth when you were in did you guys uh, first off you said you got a couple of degrees uh, on the inside so what does that look like you said now if you get thrown in the hole you're in there 24 hours a day what, what is just your standard, uh, you know, day in, day out experience look like? How much time when you're studying to get a degree do you get to be a student when you're on the inside? All right, well, check this out. I got a good story for you. One time I was working on my master's degree, right? Working on my master's degree. And all my stuff's by correspondence, you know, so I'm taking mostly like writing courses, you know, and even for my master's degree, they let me design some courses. But actually, I got thrown in the hole. I was in Loretto, Pennsylvania. It was a low security prison. I got thrown in a hole because I, I, I played in this punk rock band and for Thanksgiving. We played Fuck the Police for the Thanksgiving <laughs> show and they threw the lieutenant, threw me in the hole. He was like, you can't play. He's like, Ferrante, what are you doing? You can't play that. <laughs> Locked me up in the hole, said I was inciting a riot. Right? You must have been fucking good, dude. Like, <laughs> so look, shitty, dude, I mean, there's like, there's like 20 people there. You know, they were like, oh, you're going to fight the power, whatever. But nobody was rioting, man. But uh, but look, so, but I'm, I'm working on like, uh, like my final thesis, right? And I like got all these books and everything. And it's like in my property, but I'm locked in the hole so you don't have access to your property. And the property guys in the hole, they're, I'm like, they don't care. Like I got to do a thesis or whatever. They're like, what are you, come on, dude. Like yeah. above their pay grade, whatever. But uh, so I had to like send all these cop outs. It's like a, a you know like a written requ inmate request form, and then send them in the inmate you know the inmate institution mail or whatever to the education supervisor. And eventually, I had the education who because I'm only allowed a certain amount of books. And I'm doing my thesis. I have like 15 or 20 books, right? But you can only have like you know the restrictions in the whole are even worse than the restrictions on the compound. But uh, you can only have, like, whatever, two, three books at a time. So I had the education supervisor coming into me, like, every three days, like, Cycling switching books out, out my books. Yeah, yeah. And I did that. And I was in the hole. They had my investigation. So I was in the hole probably, like, man, probably, like, close to six months, man. What? He was bringing me books, Fuck. like, at least once a week. Yeah. But that, I basically wrote my thesis in the hole. Well, I mean, I guess that's a good use of your time. Yeah. You know. Well, you gotta do it. You gotta do it, or you'll go crazy in there. You gotta do something, man. Yeah. You know, I'm the Fuck. type of I'm the type of person. As long as I'm doing something, I'm good. So, but what what does the time frame on that look like? You're, I mean, you were locked up for how long? Twenty. Twenty one years. Twenty one years. So, uh, From, you went in. Did you have a diploma when you went in? A high school diploma. Yeah, high school. Yeah. High school diploma, yeah. but no college no, credits no, no. or anything I, like I that. I went to college, but you know, I was sure. like a fuck did what up. we all do. Fuck up. <laughs> Party too much. Sure. Sure. So uh, how, many years, how many years before you got a degree and then you got a master's? Oh, it took me a long time. Let me see. I started taking classes like 93. And I, so 1993, that's when I started. When I started the college classes, they actually had a program through Pell Grants. And I was in Manchester, Kentucky, and the, East, the college professors from Eastern Kentucky University used to come into the compound and teach us. But then they abolished Pell Grants for federal prisoners. So uh, I took co correspondence courses through my parents. But look, so that took me from 93 till I got my master's in 2010. Okay. So that was like a, uh, in prison, it was like a 17-year educational journey. I just, you know, I didn't overdo it, you know, because I'm in prison. So, you know, I used to work out, play sports, you know, and I'd sure. work on my college courses. Plus, I used to do a lot of, uh, I didn't do, like, legal work to the courts for people, but I did, like, a lot of, like, in there, like, administrative remedies. 
like within the institution or guys are trying to transfer stuff like that. I would write a lot of those for people. I got paid, you know, they pay me. Sure. Yeah, like, you know. What kind of like, what kind of twenty five bucks? Even like a simple one, I'd get like twenty five bucks. You know? Okay. They pay you with stamps, so that'd be like four books of stamps. Okay. So uh, you know, we've we've talked to like uh, Jeff Mazansky was he was a, a lifer for a third strike rule here in Missouri. He got released after I think twenty three years, maybe is yeah. that something like that? Uh, and at his prison, they had him making furniture, and then they oh, yeah, were yeah, selling yeah. this fucking furniture for top dollar because yeah. he's a a tra- he was in the feds. He was in the feds or the state. I I think he was in the state for Missouri. Because in the feds, that company is called Unicor. It's in every federal prison. Look, Unicor at one time, dude. Like in the uh, in the nineties, like Unicor was making a ton of shit, dude. They were making a ton of money, and it's supposed to be Unicor only makes stuff for people that have government contracts. You know, sure. But the way they did it. It was like a loophole, so like a lot of different people could get into it real easy and act like they're doing business with them just through this unicorn contract, which it wasn't supposed to be like that. <laughs> Jesus. So they're doing that. Dude, they're running at the prisons. They're running like three shifts, dude, at these fucking factories. And the dudes don't mind because the dudes in prison, like the dudes working, like the, the dudes that are like kind of running them because, you know, they got the, the – they're not guards. They're like the factory supervisors, but they stay in the office. They don't do shit. They get like a fucking bulldog fucking prisoner to run the fucking section for them or run the factory. So there's a hierarchy with all the, as there is. Yeah, because you get paid more. Because like if you're running, like those dudes, they were making like work with overtime. They were making like 900 bucks a month in prison. Like they were sending money home from prison. No Because they were making, you know, they were sending money home to their kids and stuff. Because they were, you know, that's like in prison. That's rich, man. Like 900 bucks a month. You're like... Fucking. No doubt. Yeah, you're like the Don Dada. Dude. You know? You can, like, send money off your car. Oh, yeah, here. You need 200 bucks. Okay. So, uh, at some like, what were some of the things that they would be making at? at oh, a uh, lot of, America? uh, they did, like, a lot of fatigues, uh, like, clothing and chairs. shit. Yeah. Um, mostly, like, uh, they just running like, like a sweatshop. No, but they would do, like, army fatigues, like, for the, for the government. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then, uh, pants, and then they would do, like, U.S. Army bags, like, or mail bags. They would do the mail bags. They would be like these, I don't know, all types of stuff. They eventually got into like some some of the factories, like automobile stuff, a lot of electronic stuff, License into the two thousands. I've seen them in movies. You know, but basically, yeah, they're they're playing slave wit, slave. Uh, it's just labor. a way to keep slavery yeah, alive. Uh, like in there, right? It's a good job in there, but basically, you know, yeah. you make one hundred fifty, two hundred month in there. You're like you're like living like a king. Well, not like a king, but you're living like a prince. With, yeah, but you know, the government's, you know, what are you I, look, I know how government contracts work. And oh it, fuck! And and so they're probably paying a premium to whoever this company is for these fatigues. Meanwhile, the labor rate oh on it is less God. than a fucking two dollars oh, an yeah, hour. Dude. Like crazy! I couldn't imagine. I worked. I worked in Unicor for actually at two different spots. Right? I worked in Unicor in FCI Manchester for a little bit, and that was actually like a like a uh, you know sewing shop. Right? They used to do like the jackets, fatigue jackets, and uh, the mailbags. And I worked there, and I was like, I was like a seamstress, you know. And that's how they paid you by like a bundle. So it's like you had like this big bundle of uh, of the jackets. I don't even know how many. It might be like twenty, and you might get like, I don't know. It wasn't very much, but you know, maybe like thirty to fifty cents per bundle. And a bundle might take you, you know, an hour. You know, forty-five minutes an hour. You know, if you were good. So basically, you were making like fifty cents an hour, but that was like good money in there. Because most dudes in there might make like five twenty-five to twenty bucks a month. Wow. Jeez. Well, I mean, you, you well Christina say, just says here, uh, 
Our guys uh, here that they're following in the state make twelve cents and nine cents a day for labor. Yeah, that's slave labor, man. That is insane. Just keeps going on and on and on. It's just insane. Yeah, and 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 really now, because I mean, I I've been through this whole thing, so you know, it's like this is like a long tunnel to me. You know, like I come out the end of the tunnel, it's like oh fucking legal weed. They're looking at psychedelics and like people are actually protesting people being locked up for weed. So to me, it's like fuck, man. Like finally, motherfuckers got a clue, whatever. But you know, at the same time, you know, like walking into the world like this, you know, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, you know, despite not making all the progress that we've wanted to make, or that with people we want, or that we even deserve to make, we've made progress, man. You know, so you gotta look at it like that, We're making progress. But I mean, definitely, you know, uh, gotta get the weed. For some of you shouldn't go to. It's like. It's just like an unregulated substance now, or so you know, a regulated substance. What's it, you know? It's uh, fucked up, man. Yeah, like you have a bunch of alcohol. We could fill this whole room with alcohol, and they're gonna come, and they're gonna look. They don't give a fuck. No, they don't. No. <laughs> fill this whole fucking. You know what I'm saying? We got we got hundred thousand dollars worth of alcohol in here. I should be able to fill this place with ketamine if I want to. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you and should. We'll actually, swim, we'll you swim should around be able to in, do that. in here. What is the the thing you got coming out tomorrow night? Well, Where is, is that uh, airing, and what does all that encompass out of your story? Basically, like a lot of stuff we've been talking about, it encompasses like from when I first got into selling drugs until when I went to prison. So uh, just a little snapshot. They interviewed a couple of my friends too, and my wife. So uh, Ooh, how was that? Did you? I guess you saw all the videos. Oh no, actually, I, I was I, I was upstairs when they were interviewing my wife. And I was telling the production assistant that was up there with me because I could kind of hear her, but not really. And I was like, she's giving away all my secrets. <laughs> I'm like, I'm crushed. She's telling all my secrets. <laughs> but, no, it, it turned out all right. You know, I mean, it was for Vice and it was cool, but it's not like, you know, I didn't give him anything. You know, I was, I was sure. Like, I'm saying the best stuff for, for, you know, my own for your story. own story. For Hoosier yeah, Sophisticate. So, you know, yeah, you guys get a little. <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot of stories, though. I did a lot of stuff, so, you know. You Come tell your stories anytime on here. One thing I was going to uh, ask you is, you know, after 21 years in, uh, you got a pretty good support network to get out. Like, is there are there programs that help you, or is it just you lean on family, you lean on your gal? Like, what's the... What's I mean, it like trying I was to lucky. assimilate, man? Like get back into culture after fucking two decades outside of it. I was I was lucky. I had my my wonderful wife. Um, she, you, know you guys met? got. Were you buried on the inside? Yeah, but I met yeah. her when I was a fugitive. You know, I was a fugitive from ninety one to ninety three. You know, I started uh, running loads of weed from Dallas, Texas, up to here. You know, and I met her, and we started dating. Like she didn't even know my real name. You know. Everybody called me Christopher Haas. That was like my little uh, porn name. Yeah. My porn <laughs> name, yes. Christopher Haas. Yes. Dog. But uh, Haas, yeah, Haas really, it, it's 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 down to her, man. You know, and, and my parents. That's my support system. You know, my brother, my sister, my my parents. Um, you know, my mom, my dad. But you know, mostly her. It was uh, for me. You know, because because <coughs> I was a kid. You know, I was kind of like a mommy's boy when I went. To first went to prison you know like the first couple years you know i was still like if i needed something i would call like mom hey mom give me some books magazine subscription whatever but it was like weird because it was like there was like this handoff like i don't know part way you know maybe when me and die got married like we got married in 2005 but maybe like when we got married or maybe like right before it was like this handoff like from my mom 
to my wife, like, okay, here. He's your problem. He's now. your problem now. <laughs> <laughs> so he was like weird, but you know. What's uh? What's but my mom rode probably like the first ten yard, ten almost ten years with me pretty hard. Hell yeah, you man. know. But then she was like, okay, I'm getting older here. Yeah. <laughs> this incessant child from prison <laughs> with his list of demands. <laughs> so what is uh? You know, but I, like I'm in prison. I'm trying to make a, like a career. Like I'm like in prison. I got this crazy. I'm gonna become a writer. I'm gonna become like this entertainment figure from like prison. I want to do all this stuff, but you know. So I'm like reaching out. They're like facilitating everything, especially my wife. You know, she look everything. The publishing house. I mean, she did that, dude. I was in prison. It was just like my idea, and I wrote the books. You know, but she, you know, and she consulted with me like, oh, this cover, that cover, whatever. But she did it all. That's a partner in life. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's and, a ride or and die. Everything. That's and awesome. then so when I got out, I mean, I was really lucky, dude, because boom, you know, I mean, she had her own house already. So I just moved right in with her, you know, and she just, you know, whatever. I mean, sometimes, you know, it's your wife. You want to yep. choke her out. But, you know, <laughs> What's not a, like you would really, you know, not, way. not like you would really. But. <laughs> What's a- What's a wedding like on the inside? Like, what, what you just sit oh, in front of a judge? You could you do it on the phone, or what's in, the deal? Uh, we were in West Virginia, yeah, and um, not Beckley, the other one. Uh, I can't remember the other name of the other. That's all right. That. But uh, yeah, we got married in the visiting room, man, and it was like she had to pay like the chaplain to come in. She had to pay and get the license, and she had to pay the chaplain like whatever thirty bucks. You know, it was two thousand five. So she had to pay like the chaplain and then there was like my counselor or my case manager and like a guard. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like romantic, we, we did it. Yeah, the guard is it. though for real. The guard yeah. is weeping. Fucking beautiful, dude. I love love, man. <laughs> now get the fuck back in the hole. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, okay, man. Fuck you. And then like after like you know, to, to consummate the marriage, we got to sit there and hold hands for 15 minutes. Oh, that's nice. Is that what they're calling it these yeah. days? <laughs> you know, because I was in the feds, so they don't have, like, conjugal. Like, some states, like, especially, like, New York. Yeah. Like, they got conjugal visits. So a lot of dudes just get married, you know, for the conjugal. Sure, yeah. I got yeah. married. I got married for love. for love. Yeah, good for you, good man. Good for you, man. Good for you. No you one can that? question your motives, bud. Yeah, my <laughs> wife wouldn't send me a picture of the grocery list I forgot the other day. His wife's publishing shit for him while he's <laughs> locked up. Thanks, Jen. No, I'm kidding. Jenny loves me more than anything. She would do that. She'd lose interest after a while, and I don't blame her. No, but, but it, it was just awesome being able to uh, I love you. do that from there. You know, because if not, I would have just been like a, you know, probably like frustrated, you know, homicidal fucking wannabe writer that couldn't get anything published. Yeah. You know, and think I'm real smart and talented and clever. And no one recognizes it. <laughs> oh, buddy, do we? You have, you have landed no home, my friend. <laughs> you have fucking landed, my man. I have no clue what you're talking welcome. about. Welcome. Welcome home, lost oh, home. Oh, oh, the land of misfit toys. Oh, man. <laughs> um, but, but my, fans, my fans are growing. Look, it's weird, right? I mean, COVID pandemic, I know it's been a bad year for a lot of people, you know, and, and I got a lot of, you know, empathy for all the people, you know, that lost loved ones people, or yeah, yeah, that lost loved ones and, and with that. you know, lost, you know, economic, you know, financial resources, whatever. But, uh, I mean, for me, like, 
because I'm a content creator, and, and right now most of my content that I have out is books. It's written words, and, and with the right world now. slowing down, so it's weird, dude. Like my royalties like double, dude. So it's like good for you, and, bud. And like my 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 social media following, it's like, dude, it's almost like double too. Like I got like good for you. Yeah, so it's 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 weird, you know, for because the world, you know, has gone through all this, but at the same time, for me. You know, and plus, I, I got a lot of stuff on, like, the end of the cycle. Like, finally, we did this Vicing, like, two years ago. They recorded, finally, this is coming out. You know, and uh, finally, this documentary I've been working on for three years. Like, it's getting real close. It's almost out. You know, the one I'm doing on North St. Louis called Walk Through Murder. And, um, yeah, just a bunch of less stuff. So, I don't know. We'll see. 221, man. Let's talk we'll about see. that a little bit. You showed us uh, just a little teaser. I know we can't uh, show anybody the teaser clip, but give everybody the premise of uh, Walk Through Murder. Walk through murder. It's 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 about North St. Louis, and it's 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 about a lot of the stuff you know that's been plaguing our country. You know, with the protests, you know, across the nation, you know, and um, basically, I followed this guy. Uh, his name's the Reverend Kim McCoy. You know, he's a pastor at a church in North City, and he basically on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night, he goes out and he walks the streets from 10 p.m to 2 a.m. and he has like a little crew of people and they call it nightlife and you know they bring blankets you know they bring food they got water you know they try to bring fruits you know because it's a lot of homeless people drug addict but you know so it's also like drug dealers gang bangers you know people with guns and stuff so you know their main thing is you know they're trying to you know like if, if somebody wants to go to rehab they'll try to get in rehab if, if somebody you know needs a place you know to live you know they, they try to help people right they also uh, like they carry narcan in case somebody's overdosing but their main thing is is to try to get the you know to stop the murders you know stop the people from killing each other you know because that, that area st louis and north st louis on the other side of delmar you know it's a real depressed area you know people you know are, are living all types of ways and that's so we followed them with cameras for like three years you know, and then we got, it was some dicey situations. You know, we, we got gunshots around us. You know, we had people, you know, threatening different stuff. But, you know, he'd been doing it. You know, he, he started doing that right after Ferguson. So he kind of got inspired by Ferguson. He was in Ferguson, this, this pastor. You know, he was in that uprising. And he kind of, this was his thing. He was like, what can I do? Sure. You know, to, to stop these, you know, because it's mostly a lot of young kids from killing each other, man, in, in these areas. And it's crazy, man. It's crazy that you think this is what I think is crazy. I mean, it's crazy. We can talk about the marijuana stuff all day. That's crazy. But the other thing that's really crazy is that think if you're an 11 or 12 year old kid in some of these African-American communities and they think they need a gun for protection, man. Yeah. Kids. They're 11 or 12 years old, man. That is just, and this is, how can we say it like this? You know, the same, there's a, you know, I love our country, man, but there, there's like some things, man, we got to fix, man. It, and it seems like this generation, you know, people talk about younger people and younger kids all the time, but this is a, the, really this generation, like the younger kids now, they're really the ones pushing the change. Because yeah. they're like, man, we need to change society. And, you know, we could talk about it. And I know, I know I, everybody jokes about it. A lot of people can be sensitive about a lot of things, you know, these days. But at the same time, you know, a lot of people are taking a stand. Yes. Look, you need people because, look, this is what they say in prison, right? They say, uh, you know, some dudes, you know, they, they won't stand for anything, you know, but they'll fall, you know, for whatever. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because sure. it's just a show because, like, some people, they don't have ideals. They're not going to stand up and jump out there and put themselves out there like, this is what I believe in, you know, because they don't want to be shot down or whatever. 
But, I mean, you guys know that. You guys do it on your show. You guys take your stance. You're like, boom, this is who we are. This is what we do. If you don't like it, fuck you. You need more people like that. seems like more people used to be like that. You know, and I think it, it's, it's coming back around. So I think it's a, a good thing for our country. I think it makes it a lot easier to be able to take a stand to say some shit that, you know, that you feel in your heart. And it might turn a couple people off. But when your actions are lining up with the kind of change you want to see, I think you fucking earn the right to say some shit. Like, I'm out here trying my best to make positive change with my actions. By the way, can I tell you what fucking pisses me off uh, in the meantime, the things that I feel like are working against me when I've, uh, you know, made it a point to, to put action to it, to run a fundraiser, to just be there for someone, to pick up the phone, uh, when, when somebody's in need, just all the little micro actions that I take, you know what, every now and then I'm going to have a hot fucking hot take opinion that might not sit well with you. And I don't expect you to love me for it. That's but, how we learn. But I expect other, you though. to also see what I'm trying to do, like with, with, with what I, you know, with my everyday action, the actual, the way that I'm putting one foot in front of the other. Cause a lot of people can just talk some shit. A lot of people can, can say all of the things that'll never make anybody mad, be everybody's friends, but they don't take any positive <coughs> action towards changing anything. They're just a fucking, they're, they're, a, they're a warm chocolate chip cookie to make people feel better when it's like, eh, we got to eat some fucking broccoli, guys. You know? Fuck. Seth, you know what? You know what builds respect, though? Look, when me and you can, if we disagree about something, but we can have a conversation to it, like, yeah. whatever, man to man, man to yeah. woman, woman to woman, you know, people in general, if you can have a conversation and still be like, I mean, whatever, because you're allowed to feel however you want to feel, you know, on certain, on certain things, you know. I mean, some things, you know, maybe, you know, degenerates or stuff like that you know nobody should think like that but you know but uh well sometimes you got to bounce that shit off another person just to realize how ridiculous it sounds rolling around right. in your head that's sometimes yeah. i got to get shit out and say dude that sounded dumb and ignorant like maybe you should think about that next time I, st louis always kind of gets called you know fucking oh here we are on the crime city list again here we go and we've just accepted it here and it's always a weird thing to me psychological psychologically wise <clears throat> is there anything you picked up like in your three years of like i don't know advice you would give just people to that want to help or politicians what they need to do or anything lessons learned while you're out there yeah i would say um and this this is taken from the film too because they they kind of talk about it you know the, the people out there right you might look at people like a, a drug addict or somebody homeless or, or, you know, a prostitute or a gangbanger or somebody selling drugs or whatever. You might look at them and be like, oh, man, you yeah. know, scum of the earth or whatever. But, like, whatever these people, man, nobody tried to end up in this situation. And however they ended up into it at that time, they're actually doing, you know, what they think is right. Like, they're doing what makes sense to them. You know, so that's like, even though it doesn't, their behavior doesn't make sense to us at that time, all the behavior makes sense to them in the world that they're living in. So if people would just understand that and look at different people, okay, people are different. People do, you know, fucked up shit, all types of shit happens, but you just got to look at people like, man, they're human beings. They got flaws just like us. They just got caught up in something. That doesn't mean you write them off. No doubt. No you know doubt, what I'm saying? And, and these communities down there, these communities have just been written off, man. It's crazy. It's so funny because I, I like to drive. I look, St. Louis has beautiful brick architecture. Oh, dude. The we most. The, we're talking the, to the a Mason most, tent. The but. most beautiful brick architecture. Dude, no so cities cool. have the brick architecture that St. Louis has. I travel a lot and I like to walk around cities and look, right? And uh, 
dude, some of these houses, like you, you can be like on, you know, south of Del Mar, and you know the neighborhoods, and they're so beautiful. And then you go north, and then some of the neighborhoods they got the same houses, man. Yep. They're just, you know, they might be like a little fucked up. They need some work, but the same houses, and they got some really nice stretches. And you're like, man, it's just like this could be such a beautiful area. And I, I think, eventually it will. The but, Del Mar you know, divide is perplexing, man. It is a, it is a weird. Thing. like to just I mean, I mean it makes sense if you look at the history of it what they tried to do just section off no yeah doubt. just we no talk doubt. about we talk about that we go through we go through the whole history we introduce a rev and what he's doing and then we kind of you know tell a little bit of his story and then we go into a lot of st louis story yeah. in the third act and we, we talk about you know the racism in the city and, and how long it's been you know and, and all the different stuff that it will happen especially with the cops and you know we draw the conclusions to what's going on today you know, and how it started in Ferguson. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm going to be excited. We're going to get this film out next year. But, man, I've been working on it forever. But we got to see it. Just a little bit that you showed Ooh. makes I me. I wanted to watch I, it right I, I want to dig into it, man. I really do. Like, it looks intense. It sounds intense. I'm juiced about it. Yeah, me too. Anything else, brother? We're going to hit another break here pretty soon. Anything you want our fans to know? You want to shout out Gorilla Convict or – yeah, man. I mean, uh, you check out my website, SethFerrante.com. And uh, you can buy all my books, comic books, everything there. And, um, yeah, just I got a lot more stuff in the works, man. Just the, the film stuff takes a lot longer than the book stuff I'm finding out. And tomorrow night on Viceland, uh, oh, yeah, on I Was Vice. a Teenage Felon? Is that yeah, the-, I, the series is I Was a Teenage Fel- Felon. It's an episode on me. Uh, it's actually the last episode in the series, episode 10. It's called Have Drugs, Will Travel. Right it's on. just me talking a little shit about my story. <laughs> Nothing major. No. Okay. It's downplaying. I feel just like chill, now Just chill, just chill. I dig it, man. I was I- nobody special. Just your local neighborhood acid dealer. <laughs> <laughs> LSD kingpin, <laughs> top and 15. I was wanted. I was known to have really nice weed too. <laughs> hey, real quick, uh, off the cuff, like, what's the what's the best thing you ever ate uh, from prison food? Oh man, I used to. Uh, I was with this mobster, right? They called Chaz, but he's on the street. They call him Nick the Blade. Okay, you know what I'm saying? But he's Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Uh, his name was uh, Eugene uh, Cheswali. He's dead now, you know, R.I.P. But uh, I mean, this dude, he'd been in jail forever, man. He got like 50 years or something. Old, old law, too, like from the 80s. So he didn't have to do all of it. He got, he got, it was parole offense. But dude, this dude was like the John Belushi of the mob, dude. He was like just this big brute. They said like the FBI had him one time, right? It was like in, in his papers, you know, like all his court documents. I read them all. Like he was in this hotel, like high rise hotel, and he was like pissing <laughs> off the high rise hotel, like in sure, the city. And off the edge of the world, pissing. man. And. Like he, you know, it was like the 70s so, or the 80s. So he had like in his finger, you know, so he could put cocaine. And he was like snorting cocaine <laughs> as he's pissing off the balcony. <laughs> and they like, like said this. So this dude is just. <laughs> this is in the documents. Yeah, dude. And he used to tell me some crazy stories. And, and dude, we always talked about we were going to make a movie. And this dude was like old. He was like in his 70s, but he would work out. He'd been in prison like 25 years, 28 years or something. He worked out all the time, really good shape, you know. Yeah. And uh, looked like he was in his 50s, right? But, uh, dude, he basically, 
I mean, I learned from a lot against different mobsters, like how to, how to cook pasta, like in the joint. Basically, either using like a sting or a microwave. That's how you learn. But this dude, man, this dude was really good. And he used to make, he used to make pasta. Sometimes he would go on things where, because you got to make the pasta there. It's like when you can get the stuff from the chow hall because everything's being smuggled to you. So you can't always get the shells. You can't always get the, right. you know, the stuff for the sauce. You can't always get the tomato paste. You can't always get the seasonings. You know, it's like when, it, when it's there, you got to get it. And then you got to hope you can get everything else and make it. And then you got to get the vegetables too. So, uh, yeah, dude. So when, when he, you know, got a, got a bunch of stuff in, cause he didn't care. He would spend whatever, pay the dudes, whatever, bring it, man. We would eat pasta for like two weeks, like big. Yeah. yeah. yeah every night. How did the guards not smell it cooking and shit? They don't give a fuck. <laughs> you just give them a little any guards that you like feed them any any yeah yeah, yeah to fuck. oh shit yeah. but any guards that like are gonna be that petty like yeah. even i was in a low and it's pretty petty at a low you know i my last nine years was at a low but uh i mean that's like really petty i mean technically yeah they could they could jack you up and take all your shit write you a shot or whatever yeah but that's like really petty it's like come on dude we fucking live here man right yeah fuck we're already got a fucking like that point you know i'm in fucking uh four city arkansas we're living in fucking like two-man cubicles like in a big open room there's like fucking how often do they probably like you? 130 is that institutions normal? yeah like yeah. every two or three years yeah because see the feds go with the premise right they're trying to fight corruption and they think like in a lot of state joints when it's the same prisoner that might have life sentence or whatever the yard around the same guard Gotcha. You know, famil familiarity, you know, and then they start doing stuff start or whatever. Them like humans. When the feds, they move everybody around, so. Interesting. So how many uh, different joints are you in? Um, let me see. FCI Manchester. FCI Beckley. Eight. Eight. Hey. Have you left them all like Yelp reviews? I just stopped because I, I don't think I can remember every name. You guys start writing fucking Yelp reviews for the fucking That'd different institutions. Please like do Manchester. That would be that cool. That is great content. The bathroom. I probably, I, probably, I probably have written about every place I've been. Somewhere. Two and a half stars. They were real good. I would just have to cut and paste. <laughs> no, they would all be zero stars. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, look, w when you're in there, dude, like, you're like, okay, fuck it. Like, I'm a macho dude. I'm yeah. in here. You know, it's, this shit don't fucking affect me. But I'm telling you, dude, that shit is fucked up how they keep it's people It's built to there, fucking man. break you, right? Dude, I'm telling you. You know, that's why I kind of use my writing was, like, my expression where I was kind of, because, you know, because I was mad as fuck at my sentence, dude. And I was first-time nonviolent offender, dude. I was just like some little suburbanite kid, yeah. you know. This happened, I had better connections than everybody, you know what I'm saying? And I could move real fast, you know. Was anybody calling you like a nerd because you were reading books and getting your <laughs> school no, done? No, because the dudes would, you know, they, they would have like beefs, like they might change their room or they might do this so dudes would want to file administrative remedies that's like the, yeah uh, and you'd help them yeah and i used to do that and Damn. i used to win a lot too you, you ever know? seen shawshank redemption yeah yeah yeah. it's a it's like a kind of a cult classic yeah. i'm not sure Tim if many people have seen it <laughs> yeah nobody's seen everybody has seen shawshank it redemption. <laughs> everyone's seen that movie. it was the yeah, forgotten so, movie yeah. uh between well it did come out against forrest gump and Jurassic Day Park or and, something yeah yeah so uh, okay. I, got, I got a lot of respect though because look i would help people i mean they paid i charged I mean, sure you know, not like i didn't do nothing for free <laughs> yeah, yeah <fuck laughs> i'm saying you. that's my time. <laughs> i'm not an idiot okay you know but uh i played a lot of sports too and, and i worked out so dudes would see me on the yard and I, I played like all sports you know i would play basketball i would play soccer 
yeah. you know, with all the they different They get leagues races. and shit going in there? Yeah, intramural. Just like like in college, like intramural sports. Yeah. It's like intramural sports that are like all the fucking time. I mean, it's one of the only things to do besides work out. Damn. You know, because a lot of dudes don't fuck with education. You got like religion. So that's how people spend their time. Some people like going to education real hard. Some people religion. You know, some people like working out. Some people like playing sports. You know, some people get like in, you know, knife play, smoking drugs. I don't know. I don't know what you're saying. Yeah, there's all these different knife things. play. This is <laughs> fucking awesome over here. This guy's <laughs> praying. This guy's got a butterfly knife. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I, I kind of, you know, I spread my time. I was like in education. Yeah. You know, I was working out and I was playing sports. So I knew a lot of people. And I knew a lot. And then the, it's weird. Prison is weird because it's like the longer you're in prison, like the more stripes you have. It's like this weird sure. thing. Sure. You know, so by the time, like I did 21 years, you know, at the end, like they're like, oh, like anything. Seth, what do you think? <laughs> you know, because they want to draw on my experience. And you sure. know, like how you got it. Because I'm like a respected dude in prison, you know. Because, I mean, first people respected me because I played sports because I was like the go-hard white boy. You know, but I also help people a lot. You're Woody Harrelson, white man can't jump. Oh, I don't, I don't <laughs> I didn't, I'm, I was a really a three-point shooter. Yeah, I, you're I'm, a power forward. Yeah, I'm more like a banger. I'm a banger, yeah, you yeah. know. A but I was like almost. a, you know, I'm like a six-foot yeah. banger. You know, I'll bang. I don't care. You're Bill yeah. beer down there. Yeah, but, you know, I used to work out and stuff. But, uh. <laughs> Okay. Luke Longley. Yeah, but I, I was no, always known as like the go hard white boy, and I would help people. And then, but eventually, like when I started writing, then I was like known as a writer. Then I had like a little bit more uh, celebrity. Sure. You know, like a lot of people, like dude, I can go like a lot of the federal prisons. I can go pretty much anyone, and somebody's gonna know who I am. And a lot of state prisons too, in certain areas. You still talk to a lot of well, that's uh, that's part of the like guerrilla convict uh, like that's a whole yeah, thing yeah i got dudes right, right? Like the, yeah i got dudes right from prison they write articles from prison and i post them on guerrilla convict i get different cool. dudes and there's a whole following right like yeah I mean, yeah yeah we get we probably get like i don't know, like 50,000 uh unique visitors a month on our website on guerrilla convict Hell yeah, man. Fuck yeah. yeah. Probably, I, I posted a link to... I mean, double that after It's been night, around, bud. though. I started that from prison. It's been around... My wife started it in 2005. You know, I didn't get out till 2015. So I was in prison for two year, 10 years. I was doing, like, one piece a month. Right on. It was, like, my blog. Yeah. You know, because yeah. in 2000, everybody's like, blog, 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 blog. Sure. So I, like, in prison, I'm reading all these articles. And I want, I want, I got my book. I want to put my first book out, Prison Stories. And I'm like, I'm going to start a blog and put out my book, like, at the same time. Like, that's my thing. Right on, man. And you're like, you know? Gary's being mean to me in the mess hall again. <laughs> <laughs> like, like yeah, okay, I thought it was going to be a lot more hardcore. Like, <laughs> Made you know, pasta again tonight. That's uh, how my affiliation with Vice started, too, because I started writing a column for Vice from prison called I'm Busted. This was when Vice, like early 2000s, when Vice was still just like a magazine. Yeah. And their biggest thing was like the do's and don'ts where they would show all the pictures. Like they, they would take pictures of people like on the streets of New York or wherever you know, big city, and they would be like, do, don't, you know, they would say, don't dress like this, do dress like this. That was like their biggest thing, kind of how they started getting popular. And they used to dump all their magazines like L.A., Toronto, Paris, London, you know, yeah. centered out of New York, L, you know, all the big cities sure. to try to be like this fashion. And hmm. that's when that they were like that, when they were coming up, that's when I was writing columns for them. Damn. For a couple of years, yeah, I'm busted every month. It was good money too, dude. They are paying me like three fifty. dollars Three fifty a piece, dude. They hiring like, <laughs> each piece. I was getting like three fifty. Oh, and how how often? Yeah, that's you awesome. Them on the like once a month. They put out a magazine every month. I was living like a king, dude, in prison. I was like three fifty. <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, Big Daddy Dondana. <laughs> <laughs> Christopher Hall, give me some fucking there. pasta yeah. recipe. Christopher Hall, skip my dude, pasta. Dude, I had, I do, dude, dude. I like, I didn't do no laundry, dude. I paid somebody to do my laundry. 
Oh, that's the shit right you know, there. Oh my you God. became a check writer on the inside. Man, dude, I do. I had like people clean my room. Clean my room. Dude. I would have been doing your laundry <laughs> in there. Son you. Of a that's bitch. like the prison economy. I was supporting the prison. Trickle down economics, baby. Using that vice money. Using that vice money to pay to get my laundry done. Oh. Thank you. Thank you, Vice. What a fucking story, man. We love having you on here, brother. It's fun. Yeah, Anytime you want to cut loose and, and tell us the crazy shit, you know, you just uh, you let the craziest us know. stuff I'm saving for the memoir. Fair enough. God damn it. Fair enough. Uh, or the we'll t- or the TV show. We'll get an idea. Whenever, you'll be a, we'll be your first stop whenever you do like the, the series. Well, I would love to get with you and shoot some content because you know, we're kind of content creators too. But That's all we I'm do, not bud. Sure if you could. I like her. Uh, I like the. The, the evil spirits I love. <laughs> oh, the demon. The little sprites. I love, I love the evil spirits. It reminds me of... Uh, Gargle of Dots. <laughs> Thank you. That's, that's love, great. Yeah. And Saturday Night Live. That's what we do here, guys. You know, I met Kenan Thompson once. Did you? I've been in his dressing room twice. Kenan Thompson? Yeah, you know his dressing room is Eddie Murphy's old dressing room. Uh, at SNL? Yeah, and I've been there twice. I mean, really? Yeah. That's like saying, you know. And um, I went to I went to an after party one time. Like, uh, what's the dude who made it? The uh, producer's name, uh, whatever. Lorne Michaels. Yes, he was there, and uh, there were some guests. Some Amy chick was a host that night, and she was there. And oh, that was when the dude uh, Pete. Yeah, Davidson. Pete Davidson was going out with the singer Ariana Grande. Chick. So she was there. They came by like the table. Sam. Hey, I was rapping to Kenny. Kenny is a cool dude, man. Laid back. Right on. Yeah, Munching on Good yeah, Burgers. Good Burger, welcome to Good oh, Burger. Can I take your order? <laughs> no, I knew his, uh, I knew his, like, I think it was his uncle or something was like his, you know, like one of his handlers or something. So I got, I got knew his, his uncle. So that's how he got us in. And to meet well, get us in. Let's yeah, go, Zell. Let's, let's go to Keenan. SNL. Let's go meet Keenan. Um, they don't return my email. <laughs> okay, right, I, I get mind. it. We'll we have Keenan. Seth, we have Seth, our yeah. Seth, write emails for us. No way ever returns yeah, our good. emails. It's, it's not, not working deal, out man. all that well. Guys, these are our sponsors. This is Seth Ferrani. SethFerrani.com. This has been amazing. Uh, tomorrow on Viceland. Uh, I was a teenage felon. Have drugs, it. will travel. Episode ten at nine p.m. Nine p.m. on Viceland. Keep your uh, eyes and ears peeled. I'm sure we'll keep you abreast of the situation. Name of the movie again? Oh, walk through, walk murder. through murder. Walk through murder. Coming out next year. Uh, takes place here, out in North St. Louis. St. Louis. Uh, very courageous man. I'm into it, man. The Reverend Ken McCoy. I know you came a long way to be out here. We appreciate you coming oh, man, and ripping with forever. us, dude. Yeah, we're way out here, dude. <laughs> we are in the boonies, my man. Welcome to Festus. Welcome to Festus. But I'm from St. Peter, so what's the difference? Yeah, not much. Yeah, not much. Just, just about 100 miles, seems oh, like. Hey, I'm a Hoosier, too. I live on the north. <laughs> my man. This guy gets it. Seth gets Hoosier. it. He's a Hoosier. I'm going to clip that off. Ladies and, and gentlemen, commercial. Seth Ferrani, uh, we're coming back. Come back for a minute. Yeah. Talk about uh, Canvas for a second. We got streaming picks, and then uh, we'll wrap this thing up. We'll see you guys on the other it's side. It's been of the an break. hour and forty-four. Look at us, hey guys. Hey, there we go. Five minutes. Mics are on. Mics. Welcome back, gentlemen and germies. And I got germs all over my body. 
Steve, uh, that I haven't was, uh, showered. Like, uh, Is your chair higher than mine? No, I'm just bigger than you. You're not that much taller than me, though. Is yeah, your torso? Thanks, bro. There we go. Chill, man. Oh, we don't have to stand anymore. Do I need a newspaper or is my torso? Maybe a phone book or something. Shut up. Oh, shut up, man. A newspaper. That'll make you <laughs> yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> four microns taller in my Hold chair, on. please. Oh, look at that difference. Oh, shit. Look at that fucking difference there. Uh, I always love uh, riffing with Seth Ferranti. Hello, Kenzie. What do you, uh, what you got pulled up there? Our show. Oh, okay. Man, we look good. Dude, good. Right on. Uh, I do. I, I love riffing with uh with Seth. I can't imagine Steve. Twenty one years. God, we look good. Twenty one years, bud. Locked in a cage. I went crazy. I got a DUI in twenty one hours. <laughs> I went fucking mad. I was like, "There's a fucking." I'm on the phone, just repeatedly calling. There's a phone in the cell, and I'm just blowing up my mom and dad. <laughs> and I'm like, "Get me the." Fuck out of here. <laughs> There's a fucking madman in my cell. And the guy who's sleeping peacefully is like, yeah, there's a fucking madman in here. Right? I remember him saying that. And I'm like, oh, no. But at least I thought he was possibly scared of me. Well, I, I would be. He Boy. was just trying to get some sleep. And I was yeah, fucking. I, I, was, would I was on one. I was like, I was one of the kids who went to fucking Wonka's Chocolate Factory, and I was like, I want out of this prison right now. <laughs> you were Veruca Salt. I was. <laughs> I want to be a free kid now, Daddy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. She's They're like, like, yeah, we get it. Shut the fuck up in there, bud. Little Stevie's done nothing wrong. Little Stevie's okay. Well, my little butt butt. We're getting him out of prison. We're getting my little We're monkey. breaking him out. We're breaking my little <laughs> monkey butt butt out. Hmm. <laughs> Steve, uh, from grownin.com, uh, Missouri's medical marijuana program director, Lindell Fraker, says his Please. agency Please. will not issue regular reports on cannabis sales number, is not considering creating a new batch of licenses, is not likely to revoke licenses for facilities not operating by the mandated one-year mark, and says a lack of minority license ownership is not a concern of Missouri's program. He made these comments uh, during a wide-ranging exclusive interview with Grownin this week. Um... Let me just start off by asking, Gronin asks, will the state publicly report monthly sales numbers like Michigan does or Illinois does? Fraker says, no, at this time we do not plan to do that. There's nothing in our constitution or program that identified that we do share those business numbers. Our program set up, I think, a little bit differently in regard to the businesses themselves and being kind of a free market program. It's kind of, ours is kind of a free market program. You wouldn't understand. It's kind of a free market program. Other than just regulating the licenses, we don't regulate prices or pricing or anything like that. Uh, there may be some accumulation that the state does uh, through the Department of Revenue with sales tax revenue. Uh, that may be something that's done, but we do not plan to do it at our department here. Well, Steve, let's just sing the praises, shall we, of the Missouri free market. Shall we just, like, can we just, man. <laughs> Thank you so much for this free market. Wait, did they allow the the number of licenses? Uh, what, what is what's going on here? Is this just um, we're uh, grown in asks. We're getting close to the deadline in January of the one year mark when licensed cannabis businesses are supposed to be operating, and a lot are not open. Uh, do you have plans to revoke any licenses? 
You know, our plans to work with all the entities that were issued the licenses, and we're already doing that. We have a variance procedure in place. We have a change request procedure in place, and we're certainly working with both of those uh, with various entities. Mm -hmm. uh, so to answer your question, we really don't want to revoke anyone. Uh, we want to make sure and try to help them all be successful. Uh, but, we do, but we do not have a plan for a blanket extension or anything like that. Uh, it's all going to have to be dealt with on an individual basis mm -hmm. because everybody's circumstances are different and as to why they may be delayed or may have been delayed. You know, um, is there a uh, grown in asks, do you have a protocol or a procedure in order to make decisions about those licenses? Uh, there are another set of people that are down the line that likely would get a license that probably like a chance, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, he says, well, you know, the uh, the Constitution and the rules themselves called for us to have the variance procedure in place and the change requests. Uh, so basically, they'll just have to make a case for their extensions to us. And we're going to do everything we can to help them bring into compliance. Uh, but as you know, we're going to have to prove it, approve it prior to the year deadline. His, his accent's getting thicker. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the, those folks uh, that are waiting in the wings, so to speak, uh, they're going to know probably right around uh, the one-year time frame whether there may be something that would become available or not. Yeah, I, I think that's what they're asking. Yeah. That's kind of what we're asking. Let's see. Let's you're kind of talking on. back. You're kind of <laughs> saying, you're talking about both sides of your mouth there, pal. <laughs> um, you know, Gronin asks, so what, what sort of review would the state conduct for these variances? What, what are the sort of things that you would look for? You want one of these? Ah, go ahead. Uh, number one, uh, I think if they made a good faith effort to try to get the business stood up. That's that's what we're looking for, right? You know, did they have they been trying to open Good up? Faith. Mm. There's going to be a handful out there that maybe not have been doing anything, uh, and they're going to have to have a mighty good reason <laughs> to be able to request an extension if they haven't done a thing. Uh, then you're going to have some that will have made some good faith efforts. Okay. Uh, maybe there's very good reasons why they haven't. Uh, we know COVID could have affected some businesses. Uh, no, we certainly realize there were investors that planned to maybe help certain entities, or maybe their financial portfolios changed. After the initial COVID situation. Uh, so we understand those kind of things have occurred and think our intention is just to try help them all become uh, successful, uh, but that uh, they all will be dealt with on an individual basis. And I want to shout out GrownIn.com again for, for bringing us this interview. Thank you. Uh, GrownIn asks, uh, what about sales of licenses? Would the state allow that or consider some sort of review of the license that uh, they wanted to sell their stake? Yes, there's a change request process that is in the rules to seek change in the ownership. Obviously, if it's more than 10%, percent we got to approve that. Uh, and then there's also a procedure if they want to sell the whole entity, the whole shooting match, so to speak. Uh, Does he say that for real? 100%. Uh, but that, <laughs> okay. That's going to mean that they'll have to wait the year and have a plan in place to be fully commenced. And really, they shouldn't be able to uh, expect to be able to sell unless they're fully operational. They really shouldn't be able to expect that. Um, okay. So, Gronin asks, if somebody was not able to get their business up and running to a satisfactory level, would you allow them to sell their license or would you require them to forfeit? Again, they'll have to wait the year uh, if they're going to completely sell, and I think we'd look at all situations. I'd not tell you that we would not consider it, but the intention all along was to make sure that these folks were more successful, and if their intention was to try to get a license and sell it immediately, I don't think that's what the voters in Missouri really expected with this program. And now let's get to the meat and potatoes of it, shall we, sir? <laughs> yes. When would the state consider creating a new batch of licenses? Asked Gronin. Okay, good question. Well, first of all, we'd have to determine whether there was need. Uh, I don't know if you've read any information out there about our program and how much product the 60 uh, cultivation facilities would produce, but based on the patient base that was approved in the Constitution, 
those 60 facilities should produce enough medical marijuana for about 300,000 Missouri patients. Uh, we don't expect to get to that level on patient base for probably, who knows, five or six years, man. Uh, our projections uh, were to get about 150,000 patients after three years, and I think we're pretty well on track with our 70,000 now after less than a year and a half. So, like I said, the determination would have to be made whether we needed more facilities. Beyond that, we haven't really uh, developed any criteria for how to do that. No, our buddies have the only cultivation licenses right now. And uh, Gronin asked, so basically you're looking directly at the number of patients that are out there. That's your guiding star? (laughs) I like that. I think it is uh, because we're a medical-only program because there's limits in the amount of product that each patient can have. You know, as an example, if we would have issued a license to every cultivation applicant, I think there were like 578 or something like that. It would have produced over 8 million pounds of marijuana, which would have been enough for like 3 million patients. So what happens? What happens with that product when you're only going to sell to 150,000 patients? What happens with that? You and I can both guess, right? I hope he gets... Uh, okay, here's the deal. You know what happens with that? His first thing is, I think it is because we're a medical-only program. What are you going to have? An excess of medicine? Is that what you want on your hands? Everybody to be able to get medicine at a really cheap rate? Is that what you want to happen, you simple fuck? (laughs) Is that what everybody wants to happen here? I'm Lyndall fucking Fraker over here. I can't be. I'm bada bing and bada booming over here. I'm fucking Lyndall Fraker. I fucking put it right here. I'm Lyndall fucking Fraker, right here. That's what I'm naming my fucking ball. Lyndall and fucking Fraker, well, right here. You got all the medicine? What are we going to have, 8 million trillion pounds of medicine? We're going to have a billion trillion billion pounds of medicine. Is that what everyone wants in the world? Is that what everyone wants in the world? Let's ask Lyndall Fraker. Ask him! <laughs> Fuck that shit. <laughs> How are you going to say that shit in the same sentence? Well, in the same paragraph. This, uh, this annoys me. I think me. both you and I can. Guess. I think we know what happens to that product. We only have this many patients. We can't imagine why more people haven't signed up for a license to pay sixty dollars, sixty-five dollars for uh, uh, an eighth yeah. of dispensary weed. We can't figure out why more people won't pay us. To be able to pay those prices. Interesting. I don't quite Something's not really connecting the dots here. Listen, it's a medical only program. These fucking stoners only need like a fucking eighth a month. Too much than that. You'll have fucking nickel and dime bags on every goddamn corner in town. Is that what you want, sir? Let's ask him. (laughs) Let's ask the fucking guy in charge right here. Let's Flood it with high-quality cannabis. Uh, flood it. Let everyone open a business, Grown whatever in. they want to do. <laughs> flood it. Grown-in doubles down. So you're telling me that your consideration <laughs> won't include cost in the market. It's purely the number of patients. Well, I think you have to find a happy medium, but every program is oh, different. Yeah, uh, again, the 60 cultivation facilities should supply 300,000 patients, which is still double what our patient base will be after three years. Uh, and, you know, we're certainly going to take a look at the issue of more licenses. At whatever point, we feel like we need to help with the cost, too. I mean, I think, again, we have to find a happy medium. What is it, pray tell? Pray what tell. is it, pray tell? You made him say pray tell. That the government deems is... Uh, the yeah. right cost of yeah. cannabis. Could could somebody 
illuminate for me what exactly is the perfect price that people should be paying for medicine that could potentially save their life uh, jeff, is jeff mazanski's life i'll take jeff mazanski's life what is uh, oh oh 23 years in the yeah, slammer yeah, yeah, uh, that's one oh, of them okay that's that's one of the costs uh see, oh let's see we've got dispensaries running out of product because there's not enough cultivation facilities that have even passed commencement you want to talk about how there's only 70,000 patients that have their licenses. There hasn't been anywhere to fucking buy weed for uh, for what two months? <coughs> two months is what we're looking at. Is how long there's been dispensaries with uh, any product on the shelf, and even then they're selling it out almost immediately because there's not enough cultivation facilities online. And then we got an, I, I, I'm not done with this article yet, but we've got a whole nother thing where you got manufacturing facilities that are on board now, boasting about how much product they have ready to be manufactured. And look, we need it. We need concentrates. We need we need uh, manufactured cannabis goods. I'm with it. But there's just something that doesn't stick right with it. We'll get to that later. How many cultivators do you think, Gronin asked, uh, you're going to have by the end of the year? And Fraker says, well, we, uh, we have 12, I believe, right now. Uh, another 18 would put us at 50%. So I don't know that we can quite get there or not. Uh, but I think it'd be a good goal to shoot for, say, 25 or 30 facilities by the end of the year. Cultivators have had a lot of struggles getting up to speed, Gronin asks. And I encourage you all to go to Gronin.com and check out this article. This is uh, all the, and thank you for the, for the hard work here, Gronin. Uh, cultivators have had a lot of struggles getting up to speed. It's taken a long time to get product to market. Why, why do you think that's the this case? This is my favorite. I'm a home builder. I'm a home builder. And Listen, I'm in charge of your medical marijuana. I'm a home builder. Program. I've been a contractor a lot of my life. And I'll tell you. If you went out here and bought a vacant piece of ground, wanted to build a home on it, you'd be looking at minimum six months. So By the time you put your uh, put your driveway in, you get your water, your sewer, down. electrical to the facility, and then many times you're waiting on building regulations or architect plans. Sure, right? Sure, I get it. You gotta, have, you gotta have the drawings, dude. Builder. You gotta have the drawings. Again, we're talking about two thousand square foot home. Now, in many cases, some of these facilities we're seeing they're coming online now. You're talking about 30, 60, 90 thousand square foot facilities. If they happen to be a triple licensee, which, <laughs> go figure, you know, 578 people applied for licenses, but, you know, and, and if Should we were just given a bunch of them just one license, they Should probably all could have focused to get their one operation up and running a little bit quicker. But, you know, by God, you know, it was a blind scoring process. Uh, this native hemp CBD is really it's been It's been hitting all night, no doubt. If they happen to be a triple licensee on the cultivation facilities, and, they, and you got some, they were operating in five months, which is really... <laughs> pretty doggone amazing some of them That's were in existing amazing. buildings some of them were in existing buildings but still dealing with the city and the county regulations many cases take months uh so i know you hear that a lot or you hear people say i but i i think those of us that have really been in the building business okay now, now none of you simple fuckers that don't know how buildings work <laughs> but those of us that have been in the building business I deal with I do a lot of subcontracting. I see the ins and the outs of all of the subtle traits. Hey, ask Mike. Mike, this is Mike should be running the fucking. <laughs> Those of us that have really <laughs> been in the building business understand how long it takes. Mike, right? can you explain some of this? Speak to I, I'm pretty, we don't get it. I gotta tell you, I'm pretty impressed by most of the operators uh, the, uh, you know, that we have up and running, how fast they've been able to do it. Awesome. Like I don't know how in the world. I don't know how in the world they had a crop ready to ready to go so fast. Weird, man. man they, Good job. Am I to believe that boil that water boils faster on your stove? 
Ma'am, remember that my cousin oh, Vinny? Wow. Little grits, little McGookin grits, McGookin oh, grits yeah, faster yeah. on your stove. Yeah. Is that what I'm Positive to believe? Track. Is that what I am to believe, sir? No. Thank you. I'm pretty <laughs> impressed by most of the operators we have up and running, how fast they've been able to do it. You know, we have Love two it. testing facilities operating. Uh, some of that equipment lead time is months. And just getting it ordered and not knowing they would have a facility until January of this past year and being able to be operational ready by September. <laughs> I, just re I, I just respectfully disagree when people say it's taking too long. I, I don't have a dog in this fight because I don't have cancer and I don't need a, a, a gram of RSO a day in order to uh, give me any kind of quality of life. But I, 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 take, I respectfully disagree when it's taking too long. My favorite time of we were the it fifth. Take too long when you don't have fucking yep. RSO yep. eating away tumors in your body. Yep. No, yep. According to you, not only is the cost just right where it's supposed to be, but by yeah. golly, people yep. on a cancer protocol. They just needed to they, wait. They just got to hang on. Five months ain't Sit bad. Sit it out, tough guy. Five months ain't bad for your tumors to grow. Gronin asks, would the state be supportive of a referendum to legalize recreational candidates? I can't answer for the state. I really can't. It's probably going to come up on the ballot Why November 22. <laughs> From what they tell us, it's going to be the same kind of program. We certainly know that we'll probably be the oversight agency, and we'll certainly deal with whatever hand we've been dealt. God, that's what I'm talking about. <clears throat> and finally, Gronin asks, Missouri has few black and Latino-owned cannabis license holders. Is that a problem? Boy, Boy how are you going to answer that one, Frakes? Dude, and they slip it in right at the end. How are you going to answer that one, Randy Frakes? Hasn't been so far to my knowledge. You don't know. It ain't a problem to my knowledge. That criteria was not specifically spelled out in the Constitution. I don't All right. Know. Uh, certainly, there were some questions in the scoring categories that involved the economic impact of local communities where they were going to apply and for things like that. But we don't have a criteria as part of the scoring process because the Constitution didn't allow us to, so we have no control. Read over that. the Constitution, but I got nothing to do with any of the minorities being disproportionately so, locked up for drug use over the years now while I watch rich, usually white people getting. Rich out the wazoo from giant cultivators. I'm not talking about dispensaries anymore. Figuring out, wait till you start see what's happening, what happens in Missouri with the big boys when these giant companies start coming in from all around the fucking world, dude. Mm -hmm. Like, it's going to happen. We just got to stay tight as a little Missouri family here. If we want to, yeah. if that's what you're into, let's do it. Let's keep it local. Let's keep it like... We were talking about craft licenses earlier. How great would it be to see people with craft licenses and seeing the home grows with bow. I'm growing with a bow at home. Bow know how to grow. <laughs> bow knows grow. Yeah, I'm good, bow buddy. Bow know how to I'm grow. Bow, he know, no, bow know, bow know. <laughs> okay. Oh, 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 you want to know about bow? He know how to grow. <laughs> there we go. Bow no grow. <laughs> bow is. no hydro. There he is. It's like the, the bad guy, Shredder's. Number two in Secret <coughs> of the Ooze. I love that. Ninja. I, Vanish. I love that. <laughs> he was a bad man. Bad when he just starts dude. just opening up on kids. I would not Like little him. teenagers just kicking their fucking head off. That man was a bad dude, man. I don't remember that part. You don't remember <laughs> him kicking the shit out of little Foot Clan fuckers that when they were disobedient? One, I don't know. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's fucked, man, because... All of this is on the guise that marijuana didn't exist. If this was a medicine, 
they would have done everything they could to extend an olive branch to people who were growing copious amounts of medicine themselves say you have full amnesty you were right yeah, we sorry. were wrong sorry i hope this apology can be enough let's tell <laughs> me how to do this because now we got a guy who's like here's what the thing about weed is i'm a home builder okay bob vila you want bob vila in charge you want willie nelson in charge of shit who do you want in charge? That's what we're getting here. Like, you have to get people who are passionate, who want to be a part of it. And who, under, who, who understand. Not people that we've had to convince that cannabis is medicine. People that understand yes. cannabis is medicine. It's not like we're not asking the fucking world of you here. No. Like, They're it's, out there. It's like allowing people... Let's, it's like allowing the, 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 the person that doesn't believe in ghosts to believe run a fucking, to yeah. run a seance. Yeah, for sure. He's like, I'm not really sure if I believe in it, but here's the rules for our fucking little party. Yeah. This is, this is, this is how we're going to call on ghosts. And there's a bunch of people who are actually clairvoyant and they're like, that's not how you, that's, <laughs> that's not how you do, that's not how you do this at all. A bunch of clairvoyant people are there <laughs> sitting like, around the seance. They're like. No. Uh, if you could hear what no. this ghost was saying about your dumbass <laughs> yeah, yeah. right now, <laughs> buddy, because that's what's happening. Everybody that knows anything about weed, they're like, look at these fucking I clown know, shoes, dude. And we've learned it's not like we're the second state to legalize. We're the thirty fucking third. We were. We were part of thirty-one, thirty-two, and thirty-three. Are you kidding me? That we're at a point where we're still <coughs> still having these fucking discussions. And when Rec comes out, it needs to be sweeping. I'm tired of the excuses when we come up with an idea that it says that'll never pass. I don't care anymore. We have to try. This is illogical. It's immoral to do this to patients, to make them wait this long, mm -hmm. to make them jump through so many hoops when the market has been there. Since the dawn of fucking humanity, humans have figured out cannabis. We don't need you. If you want to set up a system that where you have to apply for a business loan and you can fucking sell weed, whatever, make it a part of, okay. But if we want to opt out and fucking grow our own, everybody, a community collective, there's hemp being grown at the St. Louis Science Center right yeah. now. Yeah. That's a big deal, you it's know? Cool. It's like, cool. if you would have got, I'm sure how many high schoolers have got caught with a baddie or something at the going in or with the metal detector, sure. some shit, to where now they're saying, okay, getting kids involved. That's another problem Dude, that's wrong the, the with problem, our thing. This is all forgotten information. Our fucking forefathers said it was of, our, of utmost fucking importance to our national security to cultivate hemp. It does every fucking thing. And that was before they even knew half the shit it could do and what the future was going to look like. The plant was already evolved enough to be able to provide us fuel and to provide us uh, building materials that they weren't even thinking about. Yeah. I think there's a movie called Hemp for Victory. And Mike, you may want to look this up. Hemp for Victory. It was uh, Jack Hare found it. In the Library of Congress. Okay. He said this video existed. Well, they go, if it existed, there's a copy of it in the Library of Congress. They asked everybody for years and years and years, like a national 
uh, treasure hunt, you know, like the movie yeah. and shit. Yeah. Finally, they find it in like the back of this room that was an offshoot of this other thing, and they had just so happened to see it. And I think it's called Hemp for Victory, maybe? So Hemp for Victory is a black-and-white United States government film made during World War II and released in 1942, explaining the uses of hemp, encouraging farmers to grow as much as possible during World War II. So it's this video during World War II where they're straight up going, hey, troops come home, you know, like that, Yanks come home. It's a total video like that where they're showing farmers just mowing through fields of hemp saying, hey, here's the deal on hemp. It's going to make your field better. You can grow uh, a ton of it easily. It's not that hard to process because that was always the story. Oh, you can't process. Well, they came up with the decorticator. It works well to get uh, hemp and cannabis, you know, like that's another thing. We're relearning everything about this plant, too. Yeah. I'm, I got some cannabis content hopefully coming out this week where it blows your mind on indica sativa and like effects and strains. How it's like, yeah, there's land race strains. Everything else is a fucking mixture of everything. Sure. Ever. It's all hybrid. So. Well, that's what's so cool about that phylos thing. We went over, uh, I don't know, probably Wednesday or Thursday this w- last week. Uh, we might pull that up sometime on the show. And, and yeah, we will this week. It's pretty cool. Tune in in the mornings. Like, you throw a strain out there, throw a varietal out there, you type it in, and you'll have it at least from a couple of different Did I do grows. Blue Tangy? I, I don't do know it. if we did that one or not. We'll have to that. check. Maybe we'll do that tomorrow. Oh, man. We'll do that tomorrow. Tune in tomorrow. We'll go through Phylos. But it's awesome. You're flying through this mapped link, right? It looks just like a neural network. It looks just like a universal star hub it's and it just it's it's 3d it's model. made through a 3d project yeah a 3d model that we can move through and each of the data points forms this cloud that uh i i can't wait to see what th- something like that looks like in 30 years oh my god how big and expansive that cloud is and what what shape it takes because there's so many times where we have these kind of uh, uh, you know, Mandelbro kind of sequences that, you know, when you when you pull out, it's just kind of this repeating pattern. I'm interested to see how these plants and how the different, uh, you know, expressions of this plant make make up a whole hologram. Buddy, <clears throat> that one of the articles was talking about how they're mapping it on Phylos and how that's what the deal was that all of these have so many similarities that to ba- break it down to high THC, mm-hmm. most high, um, this strain gonna have these effects every single time, and it's a 90% indica. <clears throat> They're like, no, not even close to finding out. And another interesting thing, this is a little teaser for it, the entourage effect, may kind of not be a real thing really it they're thinking and actually our girl uh, michelle sanchez i think maybe dropped an article about this too um where it was alcohol esters have more of an effect and there is a <clears throat> a different range of properties that can have different effects so somewhat the entourage effect is real but it may have more to do with these alcohol esters than anything and it's there's some interesting research <clears throat> going on. The University of Colorado Boulder, they have something similar to what they have in Michigan, like a center for cognitive technology. You know, okay. something that sounds sure. very recent. <clears throat> and that's where they were testing it. And I was assuming that they were getting better bud 
than what they're growing out there in Mississippi. Right. So once they start really testing with all of that, too, because now we're getting purple scientific testers, which we can create some content for them. If I had a purple scientific... Okay, oh, yeah. I got some ideas. We'll, yep. we'll clip some shit down. Um, <clears throat> check them out on on uh, Instagram. But Purple P-U-R-P-L. Scientific, you can test your cannabis underneath this. Yep. Uh, infrared, infrared spectrometer. Yes. And so you can crumble up. And, dude, uh, the percentages, too. This is another little teaser. We talked about it before. The top bud could have a different There's percentage. There's a lot of variance lower in the bud. Whole, yep. <clears throat> so if you're going to be a testing facility, <clears throat> you need to take a multitude of buds crush them all together and get like test three different times of doing that because you got to throw away what you test so they're like you can't test a lot because then you just be wasting a bunch so and i'm like well you can pick the best ones to say this because right now <coughs> weed weed won't sell unless it's a high percentage mm-hmm. it won't sell like <clears throat> in other places get rid of it <clears throat> in other places it's all percentage based pretty mm-hmm. much pricing is what this article said maybe it's changed since then um but heard, even they got people, they asked people who smoked a 17%, a 24%, a, no, a 14 and a 21, because it was a third more potent. So a 14, <clears throat> a 21, and then some people smoked a concentrate that was 70, and some smoked a 90. <clears throat> None of them could tell a difference in their high. I believe that. Mantis yeah. 9 has a sweet little machine to test, and it doesn't ruin your product. That neither oh, does nice. the purple. That's uh, oh, okay. uh, the purple, what you do, it's like a little bench. Uh, we've got a video of it posted on our page uh, from the, the the first. Yeah, uh, we got a video of it. MJ Biz kind. We met those guys at the uh, Project yeah, 422. Like They're, they were awesome. I liked them. Uh, and it's like, what is it made in Norway? I think is the, where the main company oh, is. But, they're, but they're, yeah, their <laughs> operations are close to St. Louis. Yeah. But it's a little deck, and it's got a lens basically in the center of it right and you put a you put a little tray over the top of it you take i mean a a little bud's worth you break it up you throw it down in the lens put it over the top hit go on the app on your phone it reads it it doesn't ruin your product you can put it right in a bowl immediately after but it takes a read of it tells you what the thc percentage is what the cbd percentage is i think they said they're going to be working on adding in like terpene profiles and other cannabinoids so cool Pretty cool, yeah, man. That's cool. Good, man. It's that's a pretty real, cool little piece yeah, of technology. Real, real quick, cool. uh, staying on uh, Missouri cannabis. No way, y'all make videos. <clears throat> Hell yeah. Hell so yeah, far, this is from uh, Kansas City Star. <clears throat> Sorry, right into the microphone. So far, the priciest product on the shelves might be the seven hundred dollar bag of vanilla beans. Oh. But in a matter of days. <laughs> <laughs> How much for a fucking bag of vanilla beans? Oh, dude, vanilla beans are like real vanilla beans. Real vanilla extract is like exa- insanely expensive. Seven hundred. This is on the price of a uh, dispensary. But no, this is just that's this is on the shelf of a dispensary. This is just on the shelf of a grocery store. Okay. <clears throat> but in a matter of days, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of marijuana will be delivered to Clover, the first company in Missouri approved to manufacture marijuana-infused products. For weeks, the Kansas City Company has had 800 pounds of marijuana sitting at a Carrollton grower as it awaited final regulatory C4. approval to start production. Currently, I have more weed sitting in storage than the rest of the state has to sell, said Clover CEO Josh Mitchum. I mean, we're sitting on 800 pounds in storage with 200 pounds coming every 10 days. In an industrial park, Full of rail cars, metal shops, and tractor trailers near the Missouri River, Clover inhabits what Mitchum expects will become the largest 
marijuana manufacturing facility in the state, if not the nation. So far, the company has repurposed about 48,000 square feet of the 171,000 square foot building into labs, kitchens, and production spaces, spending some $16 million on the building, renovations, and equipment. They'll make a range of products including marijuana-infused sodas, gummies, concentrates, vape pens, pre-rolled joints, and extracts. In the chocolate kitchen, marijuana will fill delicate chocolate bars and bonbons crafted with the help of Kansas oh, City's renowned chocolatier, <clears throat> Christopher Elbow. I'm with all this, but Craig, remind me what Fraker said in the last article. This is a medical-only medical pro program will be providing patients with vape pens, sodas, gummies, and I mean, concentrates are cool. But can we maybe stop fucking around here and mis <clears throat> mismanaging and mis trying to change the wording to everything to suit your fucking needs, bud? If we want to have chocolates and sodas, I'm with that shit. But if you're going to do it under the guise that we have a medical program and you have to pay this much, if you even want to get into the game and you have to follow all of these rules, don't put it by a school. It's medicine. Here's your soda. What the fuck, dude? I agree. Thank you. I, I, appreciate, uh, I appreciate making medicine easier to swallow a spoonful of sugar if you will you know but also i'm i'm with you on this i mean it gets in my craw a little bit a little i bit, recognize bit, i recognize bit. the need for these for these manufacturing facilities to come online again this rollout the way that it's been staggered has been kind of fucking weird but now you have a guy that's boasting about having 800 he'll have what is that he'll have a thousand pounds of cannabis inside uh, another two weeks and he's just waiting to start manufacturing. And I can appreciate that. But do you but what it leads me back to is is your free market really providing enough medicine fraker that one manufacturing company has more weed than the entire state has well, to sell? They just got because up and the running dispensers it's they just got up and running quicker so they can hold on to all of this medicine. They can hold the medicine, you see, because we're not working together to really heal people. No one that has opened yet has really opened their fucking mouth and put it out there and said, this is medicine. Everyone who's not doing it like this and following this code, this conduct code, that we will not rip you off. We will not do it. We will. We know black market prices. Anyone who yeah, is not in dumb. the cannabis game knows what an eighth is going for on the street. And for them to, the first thing that pissed me off of this whole thing, and it's my own naivete, but is that... Well done. It's that they bought those pounds from the cultivators for the price of being having such a marketing campaign behind it. Mm. They, they did that on the backs of patients. They said, this marketing dollar means more to me than anything. And sure, I, I'm going to get medicine to patients and stuff. Oh, are you? Because if you're trying to, what, make RSO out of ace that you're buying for $60, 67 bucks an eighth, yeah, good luck. 
good fucking luck. So either just piss on me, you know, don't piss on me and tell me it's rain. Just that's what my, that's what my pappy the, used to say. Do the fucking deal, man. I'm into it. You well, that, well, here's the deal. Like, yeah, I, I feel like. How big did he say his grow was, real quick? Well, the operation is 171,000 square foot facility. Well, this guy, Los Suenos, is 1.5 million square feet. Um, this place over here is 820. This, this is, is all. That's those are grow ups. This is all. This is just manufacturing. This is just labs and kitchens. Oh, really? Yeah. Shit. So now, and and again. I feel like, you know, we should double down like on the fuck. fact that, hey, okay. I'm all about <laughs> big cannabis. You don't come in fucking uh, supply thing. for a recreational market, rock and roll. I also, like, this is exactly why there should have been more licenses granted. This is exactly why. This guy bought up all of C4's crop. Cool. Fucking yeah. good for him. There's 50 other cultivators that are flooding the market with cannabis. The price of a pound. I think someone was saying uh, on that uh, the Jim Belushi show or whatever, he's getting six hundred bucks a pound Phew. from his from his operation Phew. at the dispensary. Could you imagine too? Maybe my, people might put a little fucking pep in their step if fucking sure. seven five hundred people. Compete. You make them compete. Oh wait, this guy's and, coming online too. I better fucking dude, go. People here, are going. There's going to be losers. People are going to people are going to close up shop. They're not going to be able to compete. They're going to be able, they're going to be bought out. But at least allow them the opportunity to recoup some of the investment that they fucking like in good faith for them giving you money at a chance at a license, allow them the chance to lose money yes. and for someone for their competition yes. to acquire their, their things, allow them to liquidate their investment. You know, don't just leave people fucking holding the bag and not having any opportunity to fucking succeed in this. It's ignorant. There is no fucking good argument against mm -hmm. allowing every Missourian a fair shot mm -hmm. at what is a fucking gold rush. It's ridiculous. And by the way, a stop, gold hiding, rush. stop hiding behind fucking patients. Stop hiding behind patients. Stop, stop. Because it stop. is a gold rush. It's a gold rush for the state. Yeah. However... By not allowing more people to, to get a chance at becoming big in the cannabis game, they're keeping the price prohibitive for fucking patients. And so at the end of all of these goddamn articles that we're going to read about this program for the next couple of years, it is so important that we fucking really get people to understand how fucking great we have it for, as, home grow, as far as home grow goes. Grow your own medicine. Grow your own. I, I, Steve, is. I, I, I feel like, dude, you're inspiring me through this. Uh, oh, but I feel sure. like that's the that this, this journey is is proof that it can be done. You've yeah. never fucking grown anything. I've on never purpose. grown anything. I used to put potatoes with toothpicks for about a week and leave Just them in a half of water. You know, I like put half in water sure. and half out. About the only thing I did one time, I put some watermelon seeds in the backyard. <laughs> Grew a couple like little watermelons. To it didn't taste you, very good. To see you do it though, like gives me hope, and it should give everybody hope. Like you flip flip around Missouri Cannabis Network, get on Instagram, check out people in the local oh, area, local God. patients, and the medicine that they're growing. It's unbelievable. It is not. I mean, not only are they just growing incredible buds, but it is also just like a testament to fucking how good we got it. How much knowledge is available now. The, the communities that, that are there to help around this, everybody can grow their own medicine. And then you know what? They're, they're, they're still going to see their fucking prices inflated because nobody's going to go and pay that bullshit price when they can grow fucking 16 yeah, fucking plants. They're going to get a, a caregiver that is providing them quality medicine. I saw somebody medicine. doing 75 bucks for two ounces a month. I mean, 
That's hard to beat. I don't even know how they're making. I don't even know how they're breaking. And you should have seen that. the the buds. I'm sure, was. dude. There are people that are really doing amazing shit, and it it I. In order for that to be a thing, for, for there to be uh, people to be able to, I mean, that's going to take a bunch of people jumping into the cultivation game. Mm-hmm. For In order to be in oh, compliance, sure. it's going to take a bunch yeah. of people challenging themselves to do something that maybe they didn't know that they can do, but they might be really fucking good at, especially with people like Bo. Bo's going to get you Bo set up. Me through it, man. He's going to get you set up. He's going to get you all the things you need. There's co- We're making content with them constantly. There's people filming videos, filming them walking throughout their grows, like the things you should be looking for. There's bountiful information. We can all grow incredible medicine, and then we can tell them to go fuck themselves. You want to hoard fucking, you want to hoard a bunch of medicine and charge fucking good. I hope it fucking goes dry on your shelf, and you lose your fucking ass. Because uh, I can grow... The medicine I'm growing at home is getting it. shit. And there's so many different strains now that... We need to be able to figure out the, the the market needs to be a little bit looser. And let me tell you why Facebook sucks and why if you're watching this on Facebook, follow us on Twitch and why we want to build the Twitch so so huge because this is important. They are taking down pictures of just cannabis on Facebook. Yeah. You show some plants on Facebook, you're saying, here's how I grow, here's how I do things, these nutrients work, this plant gives me this much, uh, this feeling of this, it takes up this much space, this much water. They're giving you everything they can out of the kindness of their fucking heart because they know it's medicine, they know it's helping people, and Facebook is saying, Drug use, I can tell, I can pick up a marijuana leaf. Now there's apps to pick up what kind of plants you're posting pictures of. Guess what? They got your pictures. You're off. Facebook is not allowing you to spread information amongst your peers that it could possibly save someone's life. If not save someone's life, make someone's life drastically better. And here you have this entity that you spend so much time sucking at the tit of that they are... Stopping us from being the most human we can be, which is showing love and compassion for one another. And that's what these growers do. Because you have these plants, I think you learn. If you're a craft grower, it's like being a craft brewer. You love that beer. You love what you're doing. Those people are fucking wild about that shit. We're going to have clubs. We're going to do these things. That is grow life. It's like Harley life. It's like Jeep life. It's like... You know, when there's a cult following behind something that you don't really understand, looking at the flat bills and shaggy hair from afar, you know what I mean? You don't under, you're getting there, man. You are fucking, you flatten that thing out a little bit, bud. You're almost there. Oh, you are almost there. Grow nugs, bro. There you go, little grow nugs. There you go, little craggy grow nugs. Shit, I like that. I go to best crowd in town. I'm getting turpid. I'm trying to get turped up. You know, you know my favorite. You know my favorite college team, Maryland Turpins. Well played, dude. Um, so the fact that we need to be able to spread information—that's where Twitch and Discord come in, and those will even go by the wayside too. Sure. But we can't allow these people. Got to stay in front of the people, wave. Got to surf the wave. Yeah, and at least these people in charge of our decisions. When we're trying to spread pictures and we're trying to educate people, yeah. I need help. I need to be able to put my pictures of the plant online so people can help me. Meanwhile, I turn on Channel Five or fucking Hulu. They're shoving pills down my fucking throat. Time after time after time again, I want freedom. Let me free, baby, because that's the way we can heal each other. I agree, man. I agree. Look at you go, bud. 
Whoo, I got Stevie fired up. Well, Fuck. we're going to save the DMT talk for tomorrow. We're running pretty late. Let's uh, yeah, we close say, this we thing say down. We sing these Jesus people a song Christ. and tell them what we watched. I don't know what I watched, for real. I watched old movies. Pick up that goddamn guitar, sir. I'm just trying to look. I'm just telling you right now. I don't know. Okay. All right, here we go. Okay, okay. Pick up that fucking guitar, fella. Dang it. Count me off. Can you count me in? Uh, count me off. One, two, two one, two, two, three, three, four. four. We, we like, like movies. movies, so, so do you. We, we like, like internet. internet, so do we. It's the streaming picks of the week. It's the streaming picks of the week. Do do do. It's the streaming picks of the week. We like the internet too. We like the internet too. Internet too. We like the internet too. Internet too. We like the internet This week, Steve. I didn't watch anything. You didn't watch a single thing this week. I watched Stealing Harvard. Okay. Tell me about Stealing Harvard. It's not topical or anything. It doesn't have to be topical. I revisited an old movie. It wasn't going to be my pick, but. I watched. Um, was it a forgotten comedy for you? Did you? Re- yeah, it was great. If you if you got if you just want to throw. Is it Jason on, Lee? Yeah, it is. Too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Tom Green and uh, the chick Dennis who's Farina. married to Judd Apatow, Big Boobs McGee. What is her name in real life? I'm not quite sure. You know who I'm talking about? I do. Um, uh, it's got Dennis Farina in it. Dennis Farina. Yeah, he's the her dad. He's the guy from Snatch. Oh, that's okay. Um, it also has the doctor who had curly hair and was kind of cynical from Leslie Mann. Scrubs. I thought she Leslie was married Mann. to Judd Apatow. That's what I said. You said I thought you said Judd Nelson. Oh, did I? I thought uh, I said, you said Apatow. I, I maybe said Apatow in my head. Uh, okay, maybe okay. I'm just really. I said CBD up. Judd Nelson. I that CBD I like, just no, hit me. Saying <laughs> <laughs> Put that right on the tip of your cock, bud. Don't threaten me with awesomeness. <laughs> What are you watching? Mikey? Uh, so that's we it. I don't know that's the movie. Yeah, it was, it was good. Watch it. I, I'm sorry. I haven't been watching much. That's cool. Finished up The Boys. Yeah? And, that's what you uh, said last good. week, though. That's but he finished you, it, though. No, no. We finished it. I, I know. You said it. that Only last season week, one. You said you finished it last season week. Season one. I finished season one. <coughs> Mikey, oh, you don't have to explain yourself to him. Did you finish the... Uh, just to get on board with what you're saying, because we had a miscommunication earlier. Are you finished with season two now? Yes. Not season three. Is there, there a season three? There's not a season three yet. This, this story's full of fucking holes, boy. <laughs> full of holes. There's only two seasons. How great was it? It was good. I really liked it. Uh, it's, you know, based on me growing up with um, the comic books that my grandpa had. Uh-huh. And that was my childhood. So him being passionate about the Marvels and Spider-Man and everything, it was... I looked up to that. So it sure. kind of brings back some nostalgia for me since, uh, you know, he's n- no longer here. So it's it brings me back. And your kid's into and it. dude, he's into it. So it's like, I love this. That's uh, cool. And another thing is he's into rocks. And that was one of my grandpa's only quirks was rocks. 
he'd always collect rocks from the river or okay. if he saw a special stone somewhere he'd buy it just because it was different and anthony picked that up i don't know where he oh, got it from because cool. i don't collect rocks so i picked that's that cool. up too nice yeah i love it that was about it for me though that's a good very slow, good show slowly. i second that I second that show <laughs> slow uh, week for me I did. I did start a movie with Jen, though, that I will put in the top sleeper movie probably of all time. It's one of the greatest movies of all time, and that's City Slickers. Okay. Have you ever seen it? I have seen City Slickers. Okay, I mean, it's we'll been, go rewatch City been Slickers. It's since I've seen it. Yeah, I remember all the parents laughing at it, and I get it now because when I was a kid, he was fucking old, but I think he's thirty-eight or something in the movie. And I was like, oh, shit. Now I'm, I haven't seen this movie in 15 years. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm Billy fucking Crystal now. <laughs> Holy shit. You're Billy Crystal. I'm fucking. I'm not Jack Palance. I'll tell you that fucking much right now. I'd rather. I'm trying to be Jack Palance. I saw this movie when I was nine. Billy Crystal was the oldest motherfucker on earth. Yeah. Bud. I just rewatched it with Jen. He's like, well, it's my 38th birthday. And, uh, the fucking, uh, my life's rude, horrible. And I'm like, fuck. I'm not Billy Crystal in that way. I love my life and my wife and my kids and my family. But in that movie. But just yeah. the age range. Yeah. And I'm, hello, so I'm funny, hello. He seemed like a hello. middle-aged, he was a middle-aged adult. I thought he was dead. 30 He's years dying. away from where yeah, you were at dude. when it came He was up. old And now you're fuck. that age. And now I'm like, oh, I need to go on a cattle drive. Yeah, so I've been looking do. up. I've been looking up cattle drives. Uh, that should do you well. This is in New Mexico. I'm going to do it. Okay. It was either that or MMA fighting, and I don't want to get punched in the face. Mm. Okay. So I'm going to do a well, drive. Too bad because Chris Coach is going to break your nose. The undoing. No, you said boys. That's what I finished. Okay. No, I'll, I'll rewind. I, I will. I'm going to go. I'm going to actually go to it I'm right now. I'm going to go to it. I'm going to check it right Please now. do. Please oh, do. Go back to last Monday's show. Please do. Please do it, man. I, will. I dare you. Leslie Mann, good job, Jen. Thank you. I love you. <laughs> oh. I thought you said Judd Nelson. Very nice. Or give the money back. I watched a couple. Um, what did you watch, buddy sorry. boy? I don't know what Yesterday that means. I uh, I dug through uh, Amazon Prime Prime Original called The Aeronauts, and it's got Eddie Redmayne and yeah, I picked that a while ago. Uh, you picked The Aeronauts? Aeronauts, yeah. You never picked The Aeronauts, did you really? Yeah, it was pretty good. It was fine. It's it, it was pretty fine. good. Yeah, it was fine. So What's it's the about, basically name? about the guy Felicity Jones. I like her. Uh, basically about the guy I who's trying to convince. Oh. No. Eddie Redmayne's weird because his, his lips him. are the same color as his face. I don't like him at all. But he's played a lot of great roles. Have you seen The Theory of Everything? Get some life insurance. Not, not, not yet. Have you seen The Theory of Everything? Sorry. What's going mm -hmm. on? No. Is no, Mike, no, Mike having a whole conversation here? Yeah, Mike's hijacking the show. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, that was fine. But uh, season four, Big Mouth came out. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's got some laughs. It's fine. Opens up at camp. Opens up a camp. First oh, episodes uh, got got some pretty good laughs in it. Uh, I can't believe I couldn't come in here and be like, "You th, bro, you th." You gotta watch it. And know what that's all about. Okay, but a tit hound. No, it's actually pretty funny. But I, they're trying. They're they're trying too hard to be dirty. It's before like there was shock value the first couple seasons. It was pretty funny, and now it's like really trying to just see how far they can go with it, which is fine. But it's also like 
I'm like, uh, that's not really funny. This just turned into, let's see what's the grossest combination of words I can put together to make people cringe inside and want to die. It's kind of awkward. It's a little weird. Wow, that's sad. It's a little weird. That's yeah, sad. I kind of when I saw that there's new episodes, I'm like, oh fuck yeah, rock and roll. By episode oh, yeah, two, three, I'm like, uh, I don't think I have much. I don't know. I feel like I could be doing something better. Carl Stoll. But he's back. Coach Steve's back. That's not Carl Stoll. That's a monster. That's who I'm talking. Yeah, 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 yeah. Russell Stoll. He's back. You're the monster. All right, my man. We're gonna sing. Real. We're gonna sing a song. Oh, room. that's up to you, man. You feel like singing a song? No, we'll save that for the weekday. We'll save it for the morning, save guys. Morning. We love you. We have sponsors. Love James you, Hoosiers. We love you. You got a good James Carlton State Farm story? No, no. Okay. No, actually, I do. James Carlton called me and said, "Hey, you are gonna save money if you go someone else. Our rates went high." And I was like, "What? Like, what kind of fucking reverse psychology bullshit is this?" <laughs> He's like, our rates going to go up a little bit. And not only did he say go with someone else, he gave you the contact. He goes, here's the guy. He's going to get you insurance cheaper. I did all I'm the homework. Like, what are you? I did all the homework for you. <laughs> What's the play here? I did. Yeah. I called them. I'm saving money now. And James was just happy to do that because that's the kind of I mean, our, our Well, I called. Remember, I called early. Yep. Rates were high. Yep. And he, he said, said, I'll keep an no. eye on it. Yeah. Yeah. He said, no, you can get it cheaper. I got it cheaper somewhere else. He called me back. Goes, what are you paying? He goes, now I've got this thing. Wink, wink. Yep. Uh, fucking, you know, talking about Canary Islands or fucking, you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Offshore accounts. This whole thing says he can get me into it. murdering people. He mentioned yep. that again. A couple too. times. I can't. Um, can never. Just go can't one, get through one, one sentence without, without just talking murder. About passionate murder. <laughs> but then he's like, you can get it cheaper probably somewhere else. You should call this place. See if they maybe can offer it. Rates sometimes change. And he's like, boop, bada bing, bada boom. I'm saving a couple bucks. It's pretty great, man. Same coverage. Because he given all the information, I think, yeah. or something. Just put it all the, in front of him. What the f- That's what just, the that's, a, that's, I, I like, that's Does not, he not like that's me? That's not just because uh, he's your friend. That's because that's, I mean, he does that with his customers. Dude, the reason I knew my ATM card was going to expire is because he calls me the month before. <laughs> And says, hey, hey, bud, you got, you got your card. Put on file, bud. Well, he's just like, just so you know, you're on auto pay, and I, this is just a friendly reminder. A month before, yeah, like your cards do, and if you don't come up with that cheese, I'm sending Moose and Rocco over to, to your joint. I'm going to murder you. Bust your fucking legs up, bud. <laughs> so he's a good dude. He's a great dude. Uh, Jason Long, who owns Sweet Leaf Emporium in Farmington, and God Festus, dang. and that guitar, and that guitar, which it's got a nice little warm oh, tone. I'm to loving. It. I'm starting it's got to love it. Nice little it. warm tone. So it's a I see Yamaha. you really stepping into some blues riffs on that thing. I don't know what's yeah, going on, bud. Deep. I don't know what's going on with you. You're getting real raspy. You're getting Thank you, dude. You're getting a little fucking great. <laughs> I'm trying, All man. All right, I'm dude. Trying. I dig it. Sweetly Memorial is where we, we got headquarters here. We're taking on the war on drugs. We're bringing in people like Seth Ferrani to tell his story. 21 years as a prisoner of war in the war on drugs. Uh, and uh, those stories happen far too often. Uh, and here at Sweet Leaf, we're just going to we're gonna try and tell you some jokes. We're going to... Uh, try and bring you some information, tell you some stories about uh, some things that some humans are going through and some subhuman conditions, and uh, hopefully we can all band together to fix that shit. That's yeah. the game plan, my man. Yeah, let's try it. Um, uh, Adam McChesney, Ms. Marketing, 
He just puts people in front of you. That's what he does. He, he fucking, he's like, oh, you got information? Over here, we got uh, a little, some riffraff. Over here, we got the high society. Okay, but what you're selling, they both want to see it. So I got to figure out a way to get them in front of your beacon. And then, and then here. Then I put them in the bread basket. Then the freak zone. We funnel them into the freak zone. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, right into the... The bulbous <laughs> Lindell and Frank. Frank Steve. Frank Steve. Uh, <laughs> Adam Mundren, he's just trying to get you in your dream home. I don't know why you're making it so difficult. The guy is trying to sing you a fucking lullaby, for Christ's sake, and help you find the home that you want to spend the rest of your days in. Help you sell the old shitty home that you despise coming home to every day. Try to turn rickety into old that stink shack. Stupid old, old murder shack. Yeah, it's where James Carlton murdered people, probably. <laughs> Just, there's bloodstains everywhere. We and you're going to live the there? Adam's going to sell the house. Ugh. All right? That's what I'm saying. Adam would sell James Carlton's murder shack. He has numerous so times. Two of them, <laughs> two of them man, I know of. It's probably been six or seven. <laughs> yeah. If I you don't to have guess. to dis- disclose that in but, Missouri. Yeah, but he yeah, does though. He does, but he'll let you know because yeah. he's trying to earn your respect and you know and your trust. Yeah, you gotta and, get referrals. Uh, he's gonna put you it's in. A, he's gonna put you in your dream home. So you know, give Bunch Property Group a call. Maybe two o'clock <laughs> in the morning. Say, Adam. I dare one. What of do you know? What do you know about a nice? Mid nineteenth century colonial, what, what, yeah. well, anything like that in the market, and he's like, "Damn girl, <laughs> I didn't know you was gonna call and talk to me like that <laughs> at this hour. I'm I'm laying down next to my wife right now. You can't talk to me about mid century colonial. <laughs> oh shit! But Come I'm on, girl. I'm getting ready to empty nest, and I'm ready to move to a ranch because my legs don't work so good no more. <laughs> So there's that. That's uh, fun. Denison Collard, he makes native hemp. God, extract. he's great. And we've been God, smoking great. the native hemp CBG flower. Is that Suver? Suver Haze. Suver Haze. Suver Haze. Lifter. Uh, he's got a little lifter action. Uh, but also his teacher. he's got Snooch Bone. Snooch Bone is one that snooch you don't want to. <laughs> that on that list of can- cannabis strains, it's like here. Snooch it actually bone. made the whole shape phallic. Like snooch, it was just running out. Snooch Here's bone. the problem with the problem with native Horny hemp extracts. Section. Yeah, the problem with native hemp extracts, <laughs> snooch bone, is is they didn't go through the proper channels to get it uh, regulated as a uh, sexual enhancer. But you can't smoke this stuff without getting a marble hard on. Oh, buddy! You Every can, time you'll be able to kiss it. One. You'll just be able to go <laughs> kiss it. Does he want to? <laughs> Good night. Good night, Moon. <laughs> Good night, Moon. Uh, I hate that. Are we missing anybody else? If, if, any, if you enter code HOSO, check out a native hemp. If you to get a significant discount. Here is the deal. All and the Mike, handyman Mike, Good shout that out. Make thank it OTA. Handyman says MioHandyman at gmail.com. If you're someone who says I love you to the moon and back, hop on a rocket to the moon. And stay there. Because if you're back. a person who says, I love you to the moon and back, I hope. <laughs> I hope you rethink saying that anymore. You because if you it. say that, your parents will die. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sorry. See, I, I went away from it, and then I. Hey, you got to do what you got to do, man. Okay, you didn't think. You, 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 you thought you I went away like, from it. You don't it. like basic bitch shit. Went back you don't like. Ba- you, you ain't trying to live, laugh, love, dude. You ain't, you ain't trying to live, laugh, love. Put it on a pillow, bitch, and I'll hump it. 
Like Jay. Yeah. Yeah. He bangs pillows. Bang. She bangs. She, she bangs. bangs. You yeah. just can't help yourself, Mike. <laughs> she bangs. It, it, it burns through your Latin loins. Ricky Martin is always playing in your. You walk in the room and fuck it, it's Ricky all day long. Mike walked in the room. And What's it, another it, it's, song? It's, it's always it's uh, uh upside <laughs> inside out every time he walks in the room. Like in the volume is fucking like just. Spiked. Well, dude, we next time on the show we'll do the acoustic version, and the my, soft and he's acoustic just version. Always shaking his. Fucking oh, it's so nice. He's shaking his shoulders Dick. at me. Living la vida loca. Well, I like he doesn't I, break eye contact. He does that Weird. real slow ballady version of oh. She Bangs acoustic. She bangs, she bangs. Oh, yeah. Baby, when she squirts, she squirts. He changed some of the lyrics. Well, it's a different song. It's you know, it's like when Clapton redid Layla. You know, it's exactly. Like I think that. that's what it is. Yeah. One of the greatest covers, and the guy just covered his own song. Layla, boom. Got, got me on my knees, Layla. But you know what I mean. Uh, that was a little anyway, guys. We love you. This show has love you, gone on far too long. We're gonna yeah, be here. We're gonna God, be here in like eight hours. Morning. We'll be here in eight hours. God. We're gonna just be getting after it. I hope you decide to spend your mornings with us. Uh, Quit talking. Let's just stop. Let's just stop, <laughs> Steve. What do we tell these people to end this fucking show? Nothing. We don't have any one word that ends every show of every show that I think we've done since we've been in the new studio. I don't think there's one. Wait, there's one word, and it is cowabunga. Get home. Gotta take your shirt off. Rub your nipples. Put your foot inside.